Hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number 96, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. With me tonight, as always, is my co-host Callum from the UK. Callum, how is it going? How, how is Great Britain doing? I'm good, I'm good. Um, actually, pretty good. You know, uh, every time you've asked me that in the past, you know, it's always come up as COVID stuff. But yesterday we got our, like, uh, plans for getting out of lockdown and stuff. Um, things are really looking up here. And I have no complaints. I've just been playing so much Legacy again, and I'm so happy with it. And I just love it. Like it's it's like this um, old friend that you haven't seen for a long time, or that like went through a phase that they changed, and you didn't really like the way they've changed. But then they <laughs> they snapped out of it, and now they're back, and you, you're having a great time with them again. So I've just been jamming loads and loads of Legacy. Like last week, I went to sleep thinking, oh, I just want to play some Legacy, and I have been. I played all weekend, and it's just brilliant. How about Dude, you? Uh, legacy, oh. legacy you played, and and the way you played, we're surely going to talk about that a little bit on mm -hmm. the podcast because we've been talking about we we wanted to take you guys to the fucking promised land, you know, the land beyond Oko, the land beyond Astrolabe, <laughs> and throw Dreaded Arcanist into it as well. We promised we would take you there, and I guess we by proxy of wizards took you there, and I mean that's not only us; that's like so many people who were like pissed off by all these cards and their fucking gun. <laughs> it's just like so much. I don't even remember. Did we talk? Yeah, we talked about the bands, right? And then you went on and you you bulldozed legacy. Like you you jumped into a couple of tournaments and you destroyed everything with your new creations. And I'm so excited to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been feeling the same. I think the last like ever since the bands like a week or so ago, I've played more legacy leagues than in the two or three months prior. That's that, that's pretty insane. I've played tons of Maverick, like tons and tons of green white Maverick. Uh, but then I also felt like, dude. Um, that like elves has a shot as, at maybe being quote unquote the best, even though it's like way too early to really say that elves has a shot as, at, at like being a really top tier one deck right now. So I, I might as well play that. And I jumped to a league, I got the five zero, and I got to play Nissa fucking Vital Force again. I think that's, yeah. that's how she's officially called. And that card feels so good. You can pull off like the craziest stuff with Nissa. It's it's I, I I don't even get it. The ultimate comes down the very next turn. It's even better. Actually, no, that's not better. <laughs> that's not even better than Oko. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, Oko uh, ultimates the second turn as well. <laughs> oh, this is, this, that's actually crazy. Never, yeah, okay. just, I, Never try and compare something to Oko. It just doesn't work. Don't worry about it. It's gone now. We don't have to worry about it again. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Are you sure it's like like not hiding under my bed and trying to like <laughs> me while I sleep? <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Julian wakes don't up worry. in the morning and finds himself all transformed into an egg. Don't worry, Nissa. Nissa is there to protect you. Nissa is there to protect you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even blame Nissa for her for her weird addiction to forests and on lands anymore. I I keep saying that I I think you talked about the friend who has changed. Nissa never really changed. Nissa no. pretended to be a friend. She she like I don't know appropriated that whole elves culture, but in, in reality she really only cares about lands because she rarely any ever has like any relevant elf synergies. But I guess it's kind of hard, right? Right? They they want to make her part of the Chester's League or whatever they call it, like part mm -hmm. of the big names in Magic. And if if you make her too elf specific, then she's really only going to be played in a very small subset of decks, as opposed to right now. I guess she's she's destroying standard and stuff. I guess that's how it just works. Have yeah. you seen that the, the amazing meme? Um, basically, Batman walks in and he has like magic on his head, and and he says, "You destroyed my favorite format." And then you you got the the villain, and he has got the Simic symbol on its on his head, <laughs> and he says, "Do you have any idea how little that narrows it down?" <laughs> <laughs> But I guess it's true. It's just like, yeah. It's weird because Simic was always like the laughing stock. It was always pretty much the worst guild. Like, you got but things. What? I mean, no. Well, Rakdos always was pretty solid colors. I mean, like, this is pre the last two years, of course. 
Simic was never like a good color combination. Yeah, I guess fun. Simic was was like supposed to be for for the Timmies, uh, yeah. or, or rather for the Johns and Timmies. It was like and... a support colors and stuff. Like it was never, I don't know, it never screamed good. You had stuff like that. I don't know the. Uh, Six six flying hexproof or shroud kind of stuff like big things. Simic and... sky swallower. Dude. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That used to be a thing. I mean, of. like Mystic <laughs> Mystic Snake is still one of the coolest cards ever, but I don't know. It was it's never so great. Mystic. <laughs> so uh, off topic, but what would you say? Mm. What, what is like the spikiest of them? Guild of the older guilds. Hmm. Like, which ones are up there? I don't know. It's hard because the spiky ones also have like very like casual flares to them flare. as well. Because my first instinct was blue black because it's like mm-hmm. but then Dimia. yeah Dimia exactly but then i think kind of um boros might be as well like the yeah. boros the people like the casuals like is like the angels and dragons and big stuff <laughs> but spikes like the the super aggro boros decks maybe i'm not sure i i think all all guilds and color combinations can be like tuned to yeah. timmy or spiky I was going to say Boros, Dimir, uh, but also Golgari, because Golgari usually like is good in weird ways. But as you mentioned, they also have, I think it, it's a testament to how well all these guilds and the, the entire realm of Ravnica is designed that they both satisfy like the the, the, the casual Timmy, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. but but also like the the, the super spiky people and and the yeah, guilds sense, have that kind of flavor. I didn't. Think I, I wonder if there are the is, aren't they like putting out like an MMORPG of I mean as long as it's not like going to be a MOBA or something of Magic. Um, so yeah. I, I wonder whether that one's actually going to be set. Is that going to be set in Ravnica? That would that would be the smart choice, right? I don't know much about it. Um, one of my friends, like local London friends, he's been playing it. He got the early access, and he says it's really good. Um, I, I don't know much more than that. Like, I I don't really play computer games very much, so I've not applied or anything. But he says it's cool. It's fun. Uh, it's better than he expected. So. I don't wait, know if it's wait, a wait, wait, wait. You're, you're not playing any kind of video games? No, not really. <laughs> What's the last video game you played? Like more than than five hours? More than five hours? That's a really long time to play a game. <laughs> Holy shit. I was about to say Call of Duty, but I'd never played it for like five hours in a row. Like the entire series, like all 27 games or something, <laughs> five hours total. <laughs> okay, I'm not, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Um, I don't remember. I, I, I recently started playing a lot more again. I, I mean, by recently, I, I mean last couple of years after like not doing, there, there was always this feeling of like, no, I only got to play something that's online, that's competitive, that's going to get me ahead in life, which is like, yeah, that's what mm. I told myself. <laughs> I mean, not, not talking about you, like everybody plays for different reasons, but for, for me, it truly was like that. Have you played... Um... I'm, I'm saying have you played a game and I, I can't remember it because I meant to play with some friends after this podcast and the game is meant to be amazing let me find the name one second Rock and Stone have you played that? no okay no. Well, apparently, is that, is that like the, the, the beginner's version of Rock Paper Scissors? yes exactly yeah. what are you serious? <laughs> no no it's, it, it's, it's, like a, it's like a team game where you go into mines and you have to like mine stuff it's apparently got one of the highest ratings on some big gaming website so Okay, okay, never heard about that. Maybe, maybe right. we should make a podcast about that. Yes, definitely. It's Rock perfect. and Stone. It doesn't sound as, from, as cool. From, like... from you that hasn't heard of it and me that doesn't remember the name and never plays games, we bring you the Rock and Stone podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it has like a much better... Like, it actually sounds pretty bad. Like You go to like some kind of Twitch convention and people are like, oh, what are you playing? I'm like playing, oh my God, this awesome game and I'm playing this awesome game. And what are you doing? <laughs> oh, we're doing Rock and Stone, man. Old school. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. But <laughs> dude, what, what, what else have you been up to? 
Um, I've been ignoring your requests for information for the site you're working on. I'm pretty good at that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you keep asking for a picture and information about myself and all these kind of things. And I'm, I'm doing really well at this. Like you thought I was doing well at Legacy over the weekend. Well, I killed this. So um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, apart from, apart from that, um, it's been a week since we last recorded. So nothing else especially exciting has happened. Just, just Legacying, which, yeah, we'll, as you said, I uh, had a pretty good weekend. So we'll get into that later. Um, what about you, though? You've been working on other things. You said you played Elves and Maverick, but other stuff going on? Yeah, I've, like you mentioned, I've been, still been working on the website. Um, I, I actually mm -hmm. was going to come up with our new logo uh, last year, but I com commissioned a couple of artists. And did, I wasn't really satisfied too much, especially like when you think that I want to move ahead with all of this like on a somewhat bigger scale, then you really want to be like sure about the logo and everything. And I wasn't really feeling it, so eventually I, I took it up on myself to to learn Illustrator, and I guess my, my trial is about to run out, so I gotta hurry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Illustrator is insane. Illustrator is absolutely insane. And but I, I'm making good progress, and I hope that we are gonna put that out. And, and yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna put a dead, deadline out that it's done when it's done. But that, that's pretty amazing. I want to do much better with that. And yeah, that's that that's me and having a good time. Um, hoping that you know that whole COVID situation is gonna get better eventually, so we can get more people to Kenya again. Because right now we're we're getting a lot of locals. Uh, but of course, in the long run, if you want to be profitable, you also gotta get international tourists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Hopefully it's opening up back soon. Um, like, yeah, so in the UK, as, as I mentioned before, we, we've been given this plan to hopefully have restrictions lifted by June. Um, so maybe other, the rest of Europe, well, I said the rest of Europe, we're not in Europe anymore. Oh my God. Um, in Europe, you'll have I mean, similar things. <laughs> that, 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 that's this weird thing uh, that I only later learn about that, generally speaking, even before Brexit, like some people in Britain didn't consider like Great Britain to be part of Europe geographically because it's an island. Like what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> that, was, that was weird. I always, I always thought that's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I always felt like there was a bit of exceptionalism. It's like, no, we are, there's like North America, there's Europe, and then there's Great Britain. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a mm -hmm. little bit, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. in speaking of, I don't even know. What I was, what I was, <laughs> in speaking of Great Britain not being I, I in have Europe, so much, I have so much trust in me being able to spontaneously catch, like pick up any kind of link of what I just said to move on. But I really just want to talk about what you did to the format because mm -hmm. I, I think in our last podcast, everybody could tell that we were super excited about what's to come. And you, you said that you had like so many thoughts in your head and you tweeted about it and you, you mentioned it in like, like some of our legacy chats in our Discord that there's like 10 different things you want to do in the format. And apparently the one thing you really wanted to do was to cast off one mind. And before we move ahead, let's mention again what the card does because the card, it, it came out in, oh God, is that Ikoria? Yep. Oh, yep. okay. It's actually not that old then. I don't even no, it's know. No, it's Ikoria. very new. It's, it's like a few sets ago. It has a horse on it and a girl, yeah. and she's, she's I don't know, praying together with the horse. It's a sorcery. Two colorless and a blue. Draw two cards. This is basically divination. Yeah, but, that... now here's the thing. It costs two less if you control a human and a non-human creature. So if you control a human and non-human, it's one mana sorcery, draw two cards, which by legacy standards, it's 
absolutely busted. How did you arrive at this? Because the, the, the list itself, that's, that's an SBAR list, right? That's, it's yeah. basically SBAR mid-range control. And I mean, we're probably not going to go into everything, but before we start out, I'm quickly going to mention the, the, the rough shell of it so people can have an idea. You can also find the links in the show notes. So the list that Callum created, it has 20 lands, SBAR mana base, uh, two base, three, four basic lands, and he runs three Barefoot Strix, three Monastery Mentor, three Snapcaster Mage making a comeback. For Planeswalkers, he's got two Teferi, one Chase the Mind Sculptor. Uh, basic instance that you would guess for Brainstorm, four Swords to Plowshares, three Force of Fill, two Force of Negation, one Fatal Push. And for the Sorceries, there's four Ponder, three of One Mind, two Inquisition of Kozilek, two Him to Torch, two Unearth, and Legacy All Star, one roll. Vindicate. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fucking Vindicate. How sick is that card? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so. Should I uh, take it from the top and just kind of go over some things? I'll be honest, Of One Mind is just a bit of a pet card. I, I really, I've always enjoyed kind of draw two cards that are playable in these kind of mid-rangey control shells, like Predict is one of my favorite cards. And I've always thought that raw cards are really powerful in Legacy because on one hand, especially in decks with Force of Will, they offset the the uh, minus one card pretty well. And um, I don't know, a lot of cards in Legacy just get in, like incremental advantage, which aren't raw cards. And so stuff like painful truths has always been really good and i've always thought night's whisper is a very underplayed card and so of one mind yeah i've just i've just loved it for ages so this deck is kind of a continuation of the the lurus rickers pyromancer deck i made a while ago obviously during the companion era so if you go back to that and look at this deck it's really really super similar so the thing that makes these decks work is because of one mind gets triggered or like it gets reduced from enabled Enabled, that's the, that's the word I'm looking for, thank you. Um, by Monastery Mentor or Young Pyromancer, because both of those cards make a token that isn't a human, and they are humans themselves. So uh, Young Pyromancer makes elementals, and Monastery Mentor is a, is a human monk, but it makes monk tokens, not human monks. So, um, you know, you can, play these, you can play these cards and play one spell, and then you should get the one mind for, for one blue mana. The reason why, like, these cards were all, like, obviously legal during the Oko times, but these token makers were just really bad in the face of Oko, because it's not just that Oko would, like, plus on them and then they would lose their uh, their token-making abilities, but they both got taken by the minus five if you played, it, like, played it onto a board with Oko already. So, I don't know, Mental was just not a reasonable threat for a long time, I think. And so, going back to it, I just really want to play off one mind, because it's a card <laughs> I, I love. So, that was... The, the reasoning for this it's not that i thought that esper was especially uh, actually I've, i'm quite high on this because which i'll explain in a minute but it's not that i wanted to play a fair deck per se it was just because of this so what made me change from the grixis list previously to this one um i think of one mind is actually better with young pyromancer and the grixis colors like the cards are actually just a bit better but i think source of power shares is super 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 important right now because one uro still exists Swords is not a good answer for uro but it's a lot better than two lightning bolts um that's the first thing uh, secondly i expected shadow to be very good straight after this because big creatures i think are good again we talked about this on the last thing about winners so i really expected death shadow and goma gangler and stuff like that and knight of the ring to be back so again i just really wanted source of power shares over lightning bolt um other winners from the bands, as we said, were Doomsday and Omnitel. I expect them to be very good. So I really wanted a, a good combo matchup. So I have four Medley Mage in the sideboard. I have extra Discard in the sideboard. Discard is hit and miss. They have Veil, Veil of Summer, which I'll get to soon um, about combating that. But that's that's how I ended up on Esper, basically. Um, just because you have access to the Mentor with the other one mine kind of package. 
and and as yeah, source of patches is just super important. Looking at the deck, I think uh, Teferi is also doing a lot of work for this deck. You, yes. you can do, put off so many insane things with all your sorcery stuff. <laughs> yeah. like, like, just from the top of my mind, we speak about stuff like Draw Step, him to Torach, or even like Draw Step Inquisition of Dalek like on one card. You, you've put off some insane unearthed tricks in, in the match that I watched. Like, the, the entire thing was on on Twitch, right? Your mm-hmm. finest opponent streamed it. And actually, that's the only thing I saw. But your finest was absolutely insane. I hope the, the VOD is going to be there for a while because I'm going to link it in the show notes. Definitely check it out. And yeah, do, do you want to just want to walk us through the craziest play that you did in the finals? That's, um, I, I, I think I created a clip and I posted yeah, it did. all over social media because that was the moment I really <laughs> fell in love with deck. That wasn't even the craziest one. I think you've missed another thing I posted then. So to, to walk through the finals thing, my opponent, I had a J, I had a Teferi on like two loyalty, I think, and I had no board presence and I had five mana up. And uh, my opponent attacked with a Plague Engineer into the Teferi and a Death Shadow. Uh, at me and it's like a two-turn lethal whatever and so in the combat step again i know that nothing can get counted i think they had a daze and, and maybe a piece of removal i can't quite remember maybe it's yeah. like a way they also had liliana but it was already used yes yes so um i flash in a snapcaster mage target unearth the unearth flashes back targets a baleful strix the baleful strix comes in and then with my last mana i get to cast an of one mind from my hand <laughs> for for the one mana as well after blocks so the snapcaster trades off with the plague engineer that was naming monk then the baleful strix trades off with the with the um the death shadow and then so they have no more threats in play they they played a um the spell belly whale i've forgotten the exact name i always forget oh the the, 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 the the flying fly yeah. uh, for ethera forager yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 card, the James Shoes pet card. <laughs> yeah, the card is great actually in that deck, so we can talk about that later. Um, I had drawn a force on a blue card off the of one mind, so I forced that untapped and vindicated the Liliana, and I think it went from like they thought they couldn't win to I just killed everything and it was all gone. So that yeah, was when sick. I was watching it, like I, I could, I only watched it from their side, and I felt like the game was pretty even most of the time. But once they got to that point, I was like, okay, well, I guess second place is also going to be good enough. And then Kalem <laughs> Cannon was like, no, 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 like, yeah. you, you, you went super cyan on those guys. That that was pretty insane. And you, you, I, I, I think I saw the second thing that you posted where you mm-hmm. also had like another insane blowout. How often does that actually happen? Like, is how important is the ferry to the deck if to, to take it to the next level? Massively, actually. So I think I want to add a third. I didn't realize how good it is. So. Another uh, frequently asked question is, you know, Veil of Summer is still legal in the format, and I think it's actually been played a lot more than previously. Um, but I'm still running two Inquisition of Kozilek and two him to Turek with a third him in the sideboard. Teferi is, like, absolutely vital to, to let these resolve. Um, because you're a blue deck, you still do represent, like, counter magic and stuff. And so I think the combo decks... They they see your black mana and they know and if you discard them turn one with an Inquisition especially they will leave up Veil and it's like it's like a pseudo uh, Richardson port. So what I've been doing in these combo matchups is I, I try and like play a discard spell turn one. Hopefully I have an Inquisition turn one so that they know I'm discard based. And after sideboard they probably can guess as well from from the mana base. And then I, j- I don't play the discard into into Veil unless I feel like I'm about to die. Then you then you just hope they don't have it. But I try and like cantrip into a Teferi and then you can get it off. And because they've sculpted their hand to be like, you know, playing this Veil game, it's usually Teferi is like, uh, it makes your force just like an auto counter. It almost like deletes two Veils from their hand. So it's like plus card advantage already. It draws a card. And then you start doing like the, the really cool draw step hymns and stuff, <laughs> which I have actually been doing as well. Um just to just to say the other play because it's so sick. My my opponent had a 
I think it was like a noble hierarch equipped with a jitte and a sword of fire and ice. And I have like a Narset and Teferi in play. So they attack one of the planeswalkers and I get to flash unearth, return a mentor, cast vindicate on the jitte. In response to the vindicate, they try and kill the monk that the vindicate made. In response to that, I cast an of one mind to make it a two, two. And then I cast another of one mind. So I've drawn four cards and then the five, five mentor blocks the noble hierarch, eats it. And it's just, and they can see it right there, which makes sense. Wait, wait, wait! They, they cast stuff in response, <laughs> and you, you're at a ferry. No, no, they, following. they, they minus, they use the jitter counter to try and kill a. Ah, okay, yeah, okay, okay, monk, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I then got to save as well. So, so I went, I went from like an empty board of planes of creatures, and them thinking they can attack through with this like suited up creature to just like everything dead is <laughs> yeah so this is yeah i, I underrated to ferry in the deck um it's it's obviously a really good card already so i think i will be adding a third in it's really mm-hmm, key to mm-hmm. beating veil and it's just great to get tempo like the deck is kind of clunky at times you had like the mentors are three mana the snap casters are three plus mana like your strix is a two this is why it's important to have like the source of power shares and a fatal push to try and like kill stuff early him mm-hmm. can be a clunky card as well um so this is where Unearth comes in quite clutch. Um, Unearth lets you kind of jam Mentor turn three, and if it gets bolted or dazed or whatever, you're you're usually pretty okay with that. And then you get to Unearth it, and then like triple spell that turn. That's always the turning point. This is what I've been doing against Delver almost every time. You jam a Mentor turn three, and then you set up this Unearth play for like turn five or five ish or something, and you you turn oh. you, you turn the game around really fast. Uh, like men- Mentor kills incredibly fast in this deck because of of one mind just snowballs because you can cast it for its cheap cost with Snapcaster as well. <laughs> well so i mean i've had plenty of turns where i've cast three in a turn it feels like a combo deck later so um yeah uh, <laughs> yeah I, I can really tell you're insanely <laughs> excited about this and, and I love this it, yeah. reaction this is amazing this yeah. is absolutely amazing I'm, I'm actually kind of scared of the deck um playing like the, the kind of decks i want to play i have some maverick I, I just see the plague engineers and usually like the main deck actually i wouldn't mind the main deck too no. much i guess uh but it's also like it's yeah mental it, mental Mentor has been the key to beating up the bad matchups. Like, like it usually is, but especially in this deck. Um, if it weren't for something like Mentor, this deck could never, ever in its wildest dreams beat like Coven, Cavern, Nim, Goblin, Mogwar, Marshall. Like that is just unbeatable. <laughs> so, um, but but Mentor does silly things. Like in the challenge, I killed a player from like 38 life in two turns because you kind of go ballistic with it so yeah especially like it, you almost get to a feeling of of playing winter right when you pay one mm-hmm. mana to draw two cards yeah that, yep. that s- certainly reminds me a little bit of like crazy winter chains where, yeah. where, where you just like draw half your deck in, in like two turns or something that's that's pretty exciting so fairy also very often bounces a snap cast which flashes back and of one mind as well like we were smart playing like predict and stuff um, i feel like this uh, in, in legacy there's been this evolution of flying alternate card draw like i think yeah. the first time I, I found something like this is when people started playing meditate not only like for combo turns and, and high tide but also just like to refresh your hand um when you're like mm. this these super deep control mirrors where skipping your turn basically only meant skip your untap and wasn't that big of a deal and we didn't have planeswalkers yet so it was even less of a deal so if you could pay like three mana and draw a card and basically let your opponent draw a card and skip your untap or something like that because that's kind of what it did that was somewhat good enough especially if your opponent didn't expect it and they kept up mana to their end step and then you cast that and i always wonder like how slow does the format need to be for for that to come back 
And yeah, then moving on, then we got stuff like Predict, we got stuff like Accumulated Knowledge, and now we're casting off One Mind. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to see where, where this is going to take us. Also, I can't help it, but the artwork is amazing, and that certainly love influences it my, <laughs> my... I genuinely I genuinely think the artwork is a big reason why I love it. So if it, if it had bad art, I probably wouldn't be playing it. I, I wouldn't have tried it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my hands up in the air and admit that. Like, uh, again... You know, I, that tells me. Mm-hmm. That, that tells me that like, if Wizards ever reprinted Word of Command, I don't know, it's probably on the reserve oh. list anyway, that that card might actually see play because I think Word of Command, for as okay as it is as a card, is seeing too little play in Legacy. I mean, it's it's not super situational, but somewhat. I think the double black is probably like killing it as a, mm-hmm. a, as a card that would actually see play. But it it has the, the potential to be game-ending almost. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm... I'm it was a thing during Dig Through Time Times and Blue Black Omnitel for the Mirror. But uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you, yeah. you cast your opponent's show and tell and you made that decision to not put anything <laughs> in, but you put your stuff in. The, yeah. <laughs> but this is where we are. So what are you calling this deck? Is, well, does it have like a, a, a super British name? Wigan Kebab Control or something? <laughs> Wigan Kebab Control. I love it. Um, I don't know. Espermentor, because I think it is. It, it kind of is a deck ready, like... Uh, Nicholas Krul, uh, had he won an MKM with something basically like this, and he's always played kind of his Esper piles. I mean that in the most nice way possible. Um, so I think it's kind of it's it's not like it's it's a brew because I was building around of one mind to extent, but it's it's pretty established as like something that existed already in a, in a different form. So I think Esper Mentor probably works, but if someone wants to call it something else, maybe, maybe like up control after after a breakfast <laughs> cereal or something. <laughs> Yeah, I I I, such, um, I was talking to 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 Wins Pleasant Kenobi about Wing Kebab the other day, and he actually didn't know it. He thought it was like a sex practice or something, and he didn't want to Google it on stream. Shameful. I'm actually stupid because I thought Wing was like like a part of London, but apparently it's like something from the north. Yeah, somewhere else. Yeah. Away, away, <laughs> away from us. Get away from us. Yeah, it, it was so hard for me to actually watch the video where they explained what a vegan kebab was. So I was like, oh my god, this, this is worse than what they speak in Liverpool. <laughs> it's awful. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you you won this, and then the very next day, actually the same day, but it was broadcast the next day. You also yeah. entered the Lotus Box Octagon, like these these pick up eight man legacy events that they started doing again now. So I think yeah. that it's going to be a weekly thing again. You you enter with twenty dollars if you if you win three in a row, it's basically uh, eight man top eight, uh, playoffs. You take home one hundred, and do you also get like free entry into the next one? That's for the second place. Oh, you should have gotten yeah. second place as well then. Oh, I know. I should have got first and second. Yeah. <laughs> nice idea, Julian. Definitely. So, yeah, I, I could run through the events. Um, so, so the Octagon, yeah, we played it on Friday night. It was recorded. Uh, super smooth. I really recommend playing them. Like, it's it's really fun because it's pretty short. It took like two hours, maybe a bit less. And, um, you know, it's, it's people that you kind of see in the Legacy queues very often. We had some other very good players in it. It's just fun to play like a top eight playoff. It's just a really fun format to do. And you get to know you're going to be like streamed and stuff. I mean, people can yeah, you're open to a critique of people watching you as well. But um, yeah, so I think round one, I play against Martin. Um, God, I've forgotten his full name. Sorry, Martin. But one of my favorite, which, like... Uh, which Martin? Uh, what, what, uh, Doomsday Martin? No, no, another one. This guy, he, he is like one of the guys that first made Ruby Storm. I'll I'll get back to it in a minute. He was playing blue red Ruby Storm basically, and um, I I I won the game. I won the match kind of easily. Um, I think it looked easier on coverage than it actually was. Like I cast a bunch of hymns and had some force of wills and stuff, and I just just did the things. He multi five in the second game, but um, 
I don't know. I, I, I really respect the resiliency of that deck. Like They have a lot of draw threes. They have pass and flames as well. So, so I knew that I was pretty close to actually, you know, not being... Yeah, I was I was one top deck away, basically. Second round was a really crazy match against uh, Dino Ket, who's one of our patrons and stuff. Uh, it was so cool. So it was all three games were just super grindy. Um, we had so much back and forth, and uh, we both were playing lots of mentors. So I have three, he had four. Game three was just like we went to time, and uh, he ended up essentially decking out because I had cast a teferi and then surgical his mentors so shout out to surgical in these fair mirrors i sided in one because this was actually my plan because i didn't want to leave and source the plowshares in too high numbers because mentor was the only scary card to like exile mm -hmm. and you need to have the source of plowshares on that turn and so i figured i would much prefer to lean on the two inquisitions and three hymns to hit a mentor or to like maybe force a wheel one and he just lets it go because he has more and then get my opportunity to surgical it which is how it played out. So with without them, he had like two snapcasters, a clique, and two jaces to win with. We then had a game state where he had a jace and I was empty-handed with no board. And he the jace could have... Also known as the end. Usually. The end. The end. And on coverage, they called it. They said, this is this is just over, isn't it? But um, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a, f a famous book written by, by uh, I don't know, some chess grandmaster in the 1920s or, or something. And it basically reads, like, if your opponent untaps chase and you have no board, it's, it's basically <laughs> yeah. over. Russian like, grandmaster said it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, engine, the engine also confirms this. There's basically no way out. <laughs> well, this was, this was a glitch in the Matrix then. And, uh, yeah, the deck just kind of clawed its way back in. I just kept playing creatures. And then I had my own Jace, which he then had to, like, kind of spend more resources answering my creatures and uh there, there came up a couple of opportunities where i was because it was open deck lists i was ticking i literally had on my second screen his deck list and i was ticking off every relevant his card left. <laughs> <laughs> yes that, this is the only way i can win don't let my secrets out i was i was ticking off all the relevant cards and at one point i knew there was like a snapcaster and a counterspell left and so i kind of i knew i had two hymns left in my deck as well so i ended up like finding them in the same turn off a jace brainstorm so it looked kind of like oh i got lucky to find these two and then i just cast them and hit the relevant things i made him counter spell one and i knew because basically i knew that vindicate was my answer to jace and that was my out so my, so i knew my out was to find the two more hymns him away hopefully the snapcaster and counter spell and then resolve the vindicate on the jace before the jace ultimated on me and uh yeah it, it played out like that in the end. Yeah, that was quite interesting. Um, I was also watching coverage when when it aired on on yeah. I think Anorak's channel, and I think your opponent ended up countering your him. And I, 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 at that moment, I already felt like I think that's not what you want to be doing. Like I think yeah. the the way you want to play it is you let the him hit you, and you just you take the chances of like that you, them yeah. not or, or rather like I agree. And yeah, then you take the chances of. Like, being left with your counter spell because the counter spell is going to be so important. Whereas if you trade it off, you are up like one less, or you're down one less card. But you 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 lost the most important card left in your deck, and I think that's yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I I completely see why they did it. Like this is this is a, actually a really good lesson in like um, macro decisions rather than micro decisions. Seeing a whole game plan because as again, I knew that I just needed to get that snap caster and counter spell. They were probably thinking. The him could hit the counterspell anyway. I'm sure they knew it was the best card in their hand, no doubt. But they were thinking, if I counterspell it, it's at least just a, a one for one rather than a two for one. And mm -hmm. if it hits the counterspell, I feel bad because it got an extra card. But yeah, realistically, you need to be looking at your like paths to win in in the grand scheme of things rather than 
like just focusing on on single cars interacting but at the same time they were also super low on time i think at that point it was like three or four minutes less so i completely understand just playing yeah. faster and stuff it's it's a really tough situation to be like that your time was insanely tight i, th- I think yeah. i've seen some matches come down to time and uh, ever since the bands just because they got so grindy and deep mm-hmm. yeah and uh finals was versus our friend of the podcast ali uh, on his uh rug lands and yeah cool games i got to mentor very quickly i think both games i played a turn three mentor counted a couple of things and then just killed him <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, but we, uh, in, in speaking of micro macro decisions again um because this also came up in the coverage and i think that's just like such an important lesson to take away like we we, we got some kind of educational approach here right and mm. <laughs> you you ended up letting all the good stuff resolve you le- ended up letting the seven library resolve you ended up letting the valakut exploration resolve at some point you, you i think you wanted to even like let resolve nicole bola's planeswalk if they had it I don't know. <laughs> you you were basically yeah. letting everything resolve that you ended up not caring about and just like throwing mental tokens at their face and was this like a conscious decision on the spot is this like something you've been working out on, on a strategic level um yeah it, there's so many moving parts it is a good lesson so Game one, they played a turn two Sylvan Library, and I top decked a Mentor to play on turn three, which was just the best possible. But basically, at that point in my hand, I had a Teferi to play on turn three. They would still get an activation out of the Sylvan Library, um, but my hand was like two more lands, so I wasn't really scared of getting ported and Wastelanders to death. I had a Strix, a Ponder, a Snapcaster Mage, maybe. My hand was good, I think, and I had the Force of Will as well, and I was just confident that I can beat the extra two or three cards they draw. Like, my deck can still put creatures into play and attack them, and it does put some pressure down. Um, I don't know, I basically, Sylvan Library, I feel, is an overrated card outside of the Euro decks, or from depths against Source Splash's decks, to be a bit more specific. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's two mana, you you pay 8 to 12 life, that is pretty, there's a significant amount of life, and you draw these extra cards, but at the same time, like, yep, Sylvan Library can draw cards against my deck, but my deck can also draw cards as well. I have Ovon Mines. I, I don't <laughs> mind if they combo off with uh, with Depths as well. I have Source of Powers for it. I felt confident to an extent that I can grind, basically. And I knew that with... with actually, I had two mentors in the deck at this point, so I straight after this match, I added the third, because it's so good. I, I But I know the mentor turns the corner so fast, so I was confident in my deck's ability f- to fight against the Sylvan Library, basically. There are other decks which are weaker to Sylvan Library, which maybe they... They wouldn't be as confident in because mentor really does like ch- change things um so that was the i guess Grix's control would be more vulnerable to it yeah probably because yeah. they they have a slower clock they want to win with planeswalkers so um yeah they're probably weaker to like punishing fire as well they're weaker to the combo because they don't have like a good removal spell for it so yeah definitely actually so that was the Sylvan Library reasoning. In I think it was the second game, I let a Valica Exploration go. And funnily enough, yeah, on commentary, both of the commentators said, like, oh, you just snap forcible this, right? And <laughs> in in the second match, I had pondered turn two, and so I knew there was a mentor on top of my library for turn three. And at that point, there was I also had a Surgical, and they'd, uh, he, Ali had played a, a Life from the Loam. But I'm just like, there was no Exploration in play to make the Valica Exploration go nuts. Um, I don't care if he's loaming, like that's really slow. I don't care if he makes land drops. I had I had a source of powers in my hand, I think, or a Teferi if if he goes for the combo. So I'm not scared of that either. Like I don't care if he's drawing two or three extra cards if I'm able to hold up this protection. So I didn't surgical the loam because at that point in time it was my insurance for punishing fire to make mentor a three three. I didn't use the force of negation on the Valka expiration because again that's my insurance against punching fire or there, there was there were some other like you know good cards he also was leaving up one mana and i know he has fluster storms and veil of summer in his deck and pyroblast so there was there's some other factors but also yeah 
I think people look at cards uh, without more context too often. Like they think, okay, this card is good against what my deck's meant to be doing. Like Valakut Exploration and Silver Library are insane cards against control in general, but I knew that my game plan of Mentor just trumps it. And so I'm just concentrating on that. Yeah, it's also a very good thing that you brought up. Um, people have to not only think about cards as being good against mind deck, but also in the context of their general matchup. And when you play lands, you know if the game goes super, super late and everybody gets to do what they want to do, lands is mm-hmm. usually ahead, just because it, it, the, the mana advantage and all the stuff they can do with it is just too great, especially after sideboarding, I would guess, if they can also like hit your planeswalkers with things. Yeah. But in, in the early and mid game, especially because of Mentor, you, you're in a position where you can just like take the tempo that you get out of them basically pass uh, skipping their turn or even like a second turn um because like if you end up paying eight mana for seven library not only did you kind of skip your turn if you don't have exploration just to cast it in the second turn you're also somewhat skipping a turn because you lost eight life which is basically another mentor plus token attack yeah so if if you think about it in in that kind of context then yes the card is kind of good against me but usually only in scenarios where i'm probably losing anyways because we are on turn seven and i don't have creatures and they just get to run away with the game and punishing fire and stuff and i I really really like this decision and watching the coverage of that event uh, maybe maybe can also link the coverage i yeah i think anorex channel is gonna have it up and people should watch that because that really is is a way to level up in terms of understanding strategy and not only tactics. Yeah, you really need to, I mean, this is sounds pretty simple when you say it, but you really need to think of everything in the moment. Like there's tons of situations in this same matchup where I would force a Will of Alka Exploration or maybe even a Sylvan Library, though I think it's less scary. Like if he had led on turn one Exploration and then turn two Valakut uh, thingy, I, I probably would have forced that actually if he didn't have a mana up to represent Fluster or Veil or something. Um, because the card with exploration it does run away fast and that's more scary um if i if i didn't have the mentor on top of my library i probably would have forced to build it as well there's there's a lot of moving parts a lot of different things so it just depends so you you really need to just like work it out in the moment every time makes me wonder whether you should actually force a full exploration sometimes um I knew Sometimes that I gets forced i knew that i was never force willing i i I think force (laughs) force willing exploration as as a delver deck in game one is usually correct but i think it's very rarely to correct it in sideboard games uh, we, we could go into that in another another episode i guess it's much easier to daze an exploration because then mm-hmm. you you're basically getting the same out of it anyways tempo wise but at least they don't have an exploration for further turns true true but first of all yeah it's i i guess it comes down to um once again what's your game plan do, do you have like a way to victory that also um works well with uh first of all like mentor protecting um itself from force of uh, from punishing fire through first of all but yeah that's the we are at a point in legacy where moving parts matter so much more again i'm just like so happy about that yep absolutely so um yeah that was that was the the lotus box really fun they're doing another one this friday so i guess this episode will come out just before then highly recommend it it's very very fun um the challenge we can go into my matchups because i really want to point out not because any of them were especially specifically interesting but i played against a different deck every single round including the top eight which was just i didn't actually realize it until i was typing it up at the end of it but it was so cool <laughs> so round one was against like a bug Uro field of the dead control deck with intuition and stuff like heavy graveyard synergies very cool uh round two was it's straight blue red delver round three was against bant like blade with Uros and stuff as well uh, round four was against Doomsday. Round five was against Omnitel. Round six against Shadow. Round seven against Miracles. Uh, then quarterfinals against Hogak. 
semi-finals against Ant. And the finals, I just lied. I think it's Shadow twice. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just catch you up. But I think it's Shadow in the final as well. Um, notably, the Shadow decks were quite different. The finals one didn't have Delvers. The the Swiss one did. Wait, the finals one didn't have Delvers? Nope. Whoa. He, this the, is also those the, were the Italians, right? La, yeah, last yeah. Hero, I think is his name. Yeah, this is True Hero. Uh, this guy is incredible oh, with hero, Shadow. Yeah. So I highly recommend everyone go check out his uh, his Twitch and Twitter and stuff. I think it, it's is this true hero or we'll put it in the show notes uh he yeah, is yeah. just phenomenal with the deck and yeah he's not playing delvers and i think he must have some good reasons i kind of i quite like it so maybe he can't afford them <laughs> yeah clearly <laughs> oh but he's playing he's playing the whale elemental yes, whale, yeah. uh, the thorough forager the six mana whale if somebody had told me that a six mana flying whale is going to see playing legacy i would have said dude only way that works is i guess with delf and that's well, basically how it works yeah it's the same way that we're playing a seven mana zombie fish is it seven even oh my god go oh my yeah, yeah yeah well, go actually when, when is when is the banana king gonna come back legendary banana king what's his uh, name when Tassigua. i think when caracas is banned true, true. Yeah. oh my god caracas so good against the cat stupid yeah it is pretty good <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um so I, I put together some notes of like commonly asked questions because there has been a bunch of people asking about the things. Um, I did cover some of it in the in the first bit, but I'll, I'll go over some things. So I covered the why this deck because it's it's a card I love and it's a style I like. And I explained the Esper over Crixis. Um, Teritia, I just think Source Parches is incredibly important right now. People are playing Shadow. And Shadow had insane results over the weekend. I believe the Saturday challenge it had like 70 something percent win rate and uh, I've, i see loads of people like winning with it on twitter and stuff so yeah need... i has been doing pretty well with that as well yeah so you really need a plan for that for um, or for <laughs> sorry <laughs> you, you, you mean oh. okay just just shadow in general okay yeah yeah sorry i'm losing my mind here oh for... that's fine that's fine that's what we're here for <laughs> yeah of one of one lost mind so some people have been saying inquisition over thought sees is weird it is kind of weird. This is this is like textbook. Um, what's his name? Check pile creator. Check pile. Yeah, yeah Thomas, Thomas Mar. Yeah, I, I love this. It's um, it's a discard spell that's just good against Delver. I I'd leave it in every time against Delver, and it's fantastic there. The life loss is really real, and especially in Snapcaster Mage decks, like when when you think of Thoughtseize, you're like oh, it's just two life, but you do Snapcast these cards back quite a lot, and then four life, sometimes six life, like. It adds up and it feels really bad, like thought seizing a card that's not great and then losing two life in the later game. Whereas Inquisition is just like at least still trading. Um, life life is super relevant, of course, in Legacy against Delver. So you do miss out on hitting some cards like Force of Will and Natural Order, sometimes Jason Chase. Mind Sculptor. Um, attack. Yeah, I mean, there there is a drop off and it is obviously worse in some spots. But And... You know, if I added another discard spell up to three in the main deck, it probably would be uh, what the first thoughts use over the second, uh, the third Inquisition. But I've been really happy with them for now. They are just, they're, they're not like a pinpointed like hammer against combo or whatever. They're just part of the, the engine that the deck uses and stuff. Um, so that's that. Three Fossil Will. I'm going to come clean. I just wanted to like get three Fossil Wills posted and be a bit trolly. <laughs> um... <laughs> Like there, there is some reasoning for it as well. I, I just thought it'd be funny to cut one. Um, I didn't want too many force effects because there is like the two hymns and the two inquisitions, and if you have like too much interaction and not enough like proactive 
things to be doing and cards that do something I cards like that do them. something yeah exactly you, you do run into this thing like if i had like the whole four force of wills two to three force of negations plus the discard that is a lot of interaction especially when your snap casters are doubling stuff up as well and i knew that i really wanted two force of negation because i think the exile clause is really relevant like i'd been watching what people are doing um and had started to do a bit well that week so passing flames and the the deck has all the blue cards are pretty good, so I didn't really want to pitch them very much. And so Force Negation... <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so greedy. <laughs> Force Negation is just like, it's very hard castable pretty often. So I knew I wanted two, and I wanted to cut the first Force of Will before this, the first Force of Negation from those numbers. So honestly, it's probably right to play four. Um, maybe the fourth in the sideboard. I don't know. It, it, it's Three Force of Will has not been like tested that much. It's quite a unusual thing. So I don't know. I yeah. think pe- I think people should try things out like this, and it didn't really bite I, me. I always wonder when when people only play like three forces. Then the the question that always comes up, and you also just like talked about that, is whether you should play the fourth force in the board. And I always wonder whether that's really the best use of that slot, and whether wouldn't you rather play something like Flusterstorm, which is yeah. kind of the same but more efficient at, at what it's supposed to do, except for of course against the super fast kill you on turn one combo decks when you're on the draw. But I think, I don't know, I, I, I like having something harder hitting than, than just Force of Will for combo. Like, sometimes with some control decks, uh, you even get to a point where you're considering siding out a Force of Will or two, um, when it's like a super grindy control deck, just because you have so much other stuff going on and you know that if the, the opponent's deck grinds you down by trading for your force of first, eventually you run mm-hmm. out of stuff. Like in your deck, you have a lot of card advantage and also you have Mentor, which is probably going to close the game before that ever becomes relevant. But it's... I'm bringing this up because Force of Will isn't that great of a thing to do against combo unless you also have proactive stuff. Like, I guess yeah. Meddling Mage counts. That That's a good thing. Hybreacher mm-hmm. can count. Narset. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's ways to do it. And if the deck is weak, like if it's a combo deck that's weak to Surgical, then that also helps to basically yeah. carve out a room like of like a couple of turns where you can efficiently use Surgical before they go critical on, on cards on you, like Doomsday might do. And yeah, or, or Luren, for example, by the way. I think we also saw Luren in, in the top 32. By the way, Luren playing two copies of Luren, the true value Luren. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Love <laughs> Maybe it. Maybe we're going to see more of that. So yeah, I, 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 I think I wouldn't play the fourth force in the board unless no, you, you really say I, I, I want to be good against, I don't know, whatever kind of super fast combo deck comes I th- out. I think you'd really want, uh, yeah, the way you'd want it, like, I think my rate trap is probably better than that in a lot of spots. Anyway, so you're probably right. Uh, and there probably should be a fourth in the main deck, maybe. I don't know. I ha- there probably should just be three of one, uh, two of one mines. And I added the fo- the third because I just want to cast it more often. So, uh, yeah. But I, I really like that you get to cast uh, the Force of Negation. Yeah. I really like that. I'm that, really happy with that. It's such a big upside. It came up a lot. I, I do. I have been hardcasting a lot. So I'm really happy with two of those. Uh, we'll see about the fourth force. Um, Vindicate, people have been making fun of me for playing it. Or people have either been saying, hell yeah, Vindicate sweet. Or what are you doing playing Vindicate? Uh, Esper colors are just weak to stuff that Vindicate kills, to put it really simply. I've been killing Jace the Mind Sculptors, Khan the Great Creators, Field of the Deads, uh, like Liliana the Last Hope. It's, it's killed a lot of things. It's been super clutch. Um, I think I would have lost a bunch of matches without it. So it, it's better than you think. It's really sweet with Teferi as well. Like That has come up more than I thought. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't play the deck without one of them. It's it's really key to just have this thing because the off one mines and the eight cantrips and stuff, you do have a lot of velocity in the deck and selection, so you do find it. So that's good. 
Yeah, um, every time I was watching some streams, um, Windicate eventually came in clutch, and I'm, yeah. I'm really happy to see that card. Yeah, exactly. So like it killed the Jace in that long game. Like I only I did it on like turn twenty something, but I knew that Vindicate was a key part of my game plan when it was in my deck at some point. So it really really helps. Um, Unearth. This is like a everyone's favorite card for good reason. How sweet is Unearth? So. There's a really good post by Ozymandias17 on his Twitter that talks about like the new format. He's not super high on blue, fair blue decks, and he says they should be using some kind of mana advantage. Could it be like Noble Hierarch, Ancient Tomb? And he shouts out Unearth as like a tool to do that in the mid game for exactly the reasons I said earlier, like against Del of Righteous Jammer, turn three Mentor, it dies, gets countered, whatever. And then turn, <laughs> turn five, you, you unearth it, and this is your mana advantage to pull ahead. And it is, it's a pretty good point. And so... You, as we've discussed, you can also just do like such disgusting things with Teferi. Um, it's also a key part to, I think, keeping the, the Of One Mines active for the cheaper cost because you bring back the Strix, the Snapcaster that you want to do. Like, it's pretty common, like, in the mid game to just, like, you know, have a Strix and a Snapcaster you've played early, then one, of, and then you have one of them in play, the, one of the other one in the graveyard, then you Snapcast, mm-hmm. you unearth Snapcaster, Snapcaster, unearth, bring something back. Like, if they're both in the graveyard, you can go snap, unearth the Snapcaster. Snapcaster target the unearth, unearth target the Strix, then you cast an one mine and stuff. So it kind of it's it's a bit of a glue that brings stuff together. It's pretty... yeah, it's it's a big part of uh, like you mentioned earlier, double and triple spelling on important turns. Yeah, exactly. It's it's bad against source of plowshare decks. I expected this is like expecting not many of them at first. Miracles will probably come back soon, but I expected bug control to be big, which it kind of is so far. Uh, Delvers, obviously blue-red Delver, maybe Grixis. There's just not a lot of things exiling your creatures, like with Source of Powershares. So it, I think it's pretty good right now. If if control moves like to a predominantly Source of Powershares kind of shell, then it gets worse and might be cut for other things. Yeah. But for now it's but good. The thing is, the thing is, looking at your creature suit, your, your creatures already kind of do their damage as soon as they come into play. So even mm-hmm. if somebody gets two sorts of plowshares, your creatures, you already drew the card of the Bear for Strix. You got the trigger of the Snapcaster Mage. Your Plague Engineer already killed stuff. Your Mentor might even have created like two tokens or something. Mm-hmm. So while the sorts of plowshares, like you mentioned, is kind of good against Unearth, it's not exactly great against the creatures you have. So I think true, you're, yeah. you're striking a really, really great balance there. Mm-hmm. It's also, I built the sideboard... Um, with Unearth in mind. So there's three Plague Engineers, four Meddling Mages, and a Hull Breacher, I guess. I knew that I wanted creature hate cards because this is like, I really, really heavily respect Doomsday and Omnitel. And so this was another big thing to go into Esper. So I talked about Grixis removal lining up badly against the format currently. And I think Esper just is like the best shard to beat combo. So I have Discard, I have Counter Magic, and I have Hate Bears. Uh, like, it's, it's just very good against these matchups. So, um, I'm waiting for the day I get to like unearth a meddling mage in response to someone like going off with Dude, Doomsday. I want that. I want that. <laughs> yeah. you, like you, you let them even like cycle their stuff, and exactly. once they, they can reasonably represent two mana, you just <laughs> you, you get the meddling mage out with the fairy and unearth, and you name Thassa's Oracle, and they're like, yeah, pass, GG. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like Doomsday, sure, resolves. Go ahead, be my guest. <laughs> and like, and like goblins and elves are trying to kill uh, plague engineers, and then you just start unearthing them back. It's pretty hard oh, to grind through. Yeah, um, there's your nightmare for the, the evening, Julian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that that's another episode. Um, Bob Wang, Bob the Banhammer, he's back in the format. Actually, a lot of people are back in the format. Our friend Marius Hausmann. Uh, if you want to hear more of Marius, let us know. Uh, he, I think he's very keen to come on the show again and share some Sounds of his great. thoughts. Uh, he just downloaded Magic Online again after being out of it for over a year. Uh, so be prepared for Marius of the Moon coming back. <laughs> the Moon is coming. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've, I'm talking about Bob because Bob already, um, he, he's the visionary, the master of um, driving the conversation. And 99% of times I agree with him anyway. He's like, okay, now the last fire cards to slay are like Whale. Uh, what do we talk about? Are basically Whale, Plague Engineer, and I think also, also Allosaurus Shepherd, which he didn't mention, but I added. Mm. And, but yeah, that's another episode. Uh, but yeah, Plague Engineer. I think Plague Engineer is really good because people are also trying to make True Name Nemesis a thing, and Plague Engineer is the premier your answer to true name nemesis yeah so that card is really good the card is fantastic in the format right now in case you haven't heard about yeah. that yet <laughs> yeah i mean the, the card Please is great already, patreon <laughs> but the, the, the card wasn't it wasn't great against rug delver before it was bad against snow and all of a sudden uh it's elves is super strong so it's good there goblins are being played a bit more dnt is being played a bit more again um it's probably other things as well. Like people playing Balurin with it. <laughs> yeah, because people but, playing what, what you, again, Sorry so. to interrupt you. Which creature type do you name against Balurin? Drum roll. Beast. You can play a Tom as well. Yes, beast. beast. There we beast, go. I got it. Kevin Happy is a beast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So unearthing plague engineer is pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, finally, so people have been saying like, you know, they, they look at the list and they see the discard spells, especially him. And they're like, hey, you know, Veil of Summer's still legal. And like, I don't have a fantastic argument, if I'm honest. I, I just I just felt like Discard Spells work with this game's plan and curve. And I don't know, I feel like the deck can punish people leaving up mana as well by like just slamming a Mentor, slamming a Teferi. Let's see how many Veils there actually were. And uh, in the t- there's one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, okay. There, there's a couple. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I was going to say maybe people are not really bringing back Vale, but some are. Okay. That, that's actually quite a bit. So in the challenge, I, I played against Vale one, two, three, four, five rounds. And they, I, they all cast it against me. But the deck does power through it. Um, as I said earlier, Teferi is a really key part of it. Because, so against the fair decks, some like they need to be really ahead on board to be able to punish you heavily for it. Because again, like this is the power of if you're weak to veil, but you're playing stuff like ponders and brainstorms, you you can like just get the discard later when you want it, or like put it back and stuff with brainstorm. Um, yeah, I I just found that the deck is very good at not casting the discard if you don't want to. There are some awkward, awkward moments, especially Omnitel is the scary deck that can leave up veil and then just kill you. So yeah, it's pretty good there. But other times, um, my ant player, ant opponent in the semifinals, he was streaming and I went back and watched it. And in the second game, he left up Veil for the first four turns. I didn't cast anything. Then he brainstorms, puts them back, and then I start discarding him. Something like that. So, um, I don't and then know. he accused you of ghosting. <laughs> no, no. I, I don't think it actually played exactly like that. But it was something like that where I just wasn't casting things. And I was I was playing Meddling Mages as well. So that was it. I had a him on turn two, and he like left the mana open. So I was like, okay, well, I'll slam Meddling Mage then. And then the moment he taps out, I was going to him him. He didn't. And then he brainstormed later, and things changed. But... um. I don't know. Like, I I don't think Veil is as bad for the deck as people think. It's it's again one of those things like we were talking about earlier where it looks bad on paper. Like again, like the Valak expression, you should force it because it looks it's like it's good against your deck on paper. In practice, I, I really think you can do other things to mitigate it. So, you know what's also interesting that that uh, sticks out to me. You talked about the synergy between casting discard and Teferi in the face of Veil. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all that, for example, in the challenge, I just looked at the list in your challenge here. There's only a single like while there's a lot of decks playing Veil, there's only a single deck playing Veil and Pyroblast, and that's actually the punishing Maverick deck of Ozymandias. <laughs> and that there's a good chance you might even like take out some discard. So 
people people can't go like, oh, okay, Teferi, now I'm going to start a fight with Pyroblast. No, it's usually going to resolve and then Vale is going to be turned off and whatever mm-hmm. else you have. To, even the Flusterstorm. Uh, so they basically, they would need something else on top. They would need like a Force of Oil and then they can start fighting. So there's a lot of scenarios where you just like drop the Teferi and then you, you destroy them with whatever you have and then they untap and then maybe they Pyroblast your Teferi, but the damage has been done and they are still sitting on the Vale. Yep, absolutely. That has happened multiple times as well, and the the draw step discard is pretty real. Like it has happened quite a lot. It's it's not just like a kind of really sweet thing you can do. It is legit good because when you start himming, snap himming, they get empty handed. That's where you start like snap inquisitioning and stuff. So, <laughs> so yeah, pretty strong. You like torturing people. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just it just I just try and build a deck that wins, even if it's sweet. This is this is just like a deck for people who like value. But I guess for Marcos, there would be too many creatures. I, I I don't know. I think Marcos was never a mentor guy, right? No, he he's coming around to it. And at least like the other ones draw cards. He likes Strix and Snapcast. <laughs> but, uh... Dude, Snapcast and Mage being back feels good. That just yeah. feels right for Legacy. I love playing with the card. It's it's lovely. There's even a Jace in the deck because yeah, I think we, this deck can use a Jace pretty well. It, that's quite self-explanatory. I love it as a one-off, right? It's not like yeah. your ultimate goal is to get chased down and defended, basically like kind of like a miracle stack. It just happens to be there when you flood out or like you get to a longer game, then you get this extra mm-hmm. tactical tool. But your main strategy is mentor and value, and then there's also a chase, which usually allows to, to basically put even more pressure on your opponent. But chase is not the very point of the deck. Yep, absolutely. Um, two last things just like quickly touch on. The mana base... I am a very bad mana base builder. I don't have any shame saying that. Uh, so there's a very good chance someone can build something better. I just threw two of each dual land in there because I don't want to be wastelanded off the first one. And I was like, yeah, that's probably fine. Um, and then the basics. I want. I knew I wanted two islands because Snapcaster Cantrip off the two islands is a pretty common thing against wasteland decks. Um, most common play patterns are like Terminal Underground Seed so turn to Scrubland. So the second Scrubland is pretty. Uh, pretty good. Tundra is probably the worst jewel in the deck, which is weird. Scrubland's better than Tundra. Heard it here first. Um, <laughs> but yeah, other people might build, build a better mana base. And the sideboard is um, mostly just respect for combo, a good combo, including Elves, Doomsday, Anomaly. It can definitely be improved as well. The Hull Breacher and Narset are kind of just good cards. They're not super necessary. The extra Him could be something else as well. Maybe a Thoughtseize. But I, I quite like it. But if, if all the combos... Could, could the disenchant beat like a Nilrod or something? Um, could be. Is that yeah. crazy? No, it's not crazy at all, actually. Like, I wasn't... Especially if A&T comes back. Well, I wasn't super scared of A&T or Tez, to be honest. Um, yeah, it, it's more like a catch-all, right? The, the, yeah. the way I would see it, in the first place, it's there to, to hit um, like wild decks, Death and Texas, first of all, mm-hmm. but also the, the Urza Stompy deck, and, and then you also do some splash damage against all the other decks, right? True. Um, the, the upside, of course, is Disenchant. You get to hit stuff like Omni, you get to hit stuff like Sneak Attack. Yeah, I think I think that I like Disenchants in like Snapcast and Mage decks. It, it just always performs oh, great. Oh, the Philip Schoeninger deck yeah, building. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Someone did call out disenchant should be nature's nature's chant, and I have the most like pedantic niche answer. But I did think of it before the challenge, and the reason to play disenchant is because 
Steel Stompy, I thought might be played a bit more, and Nature's Chant can't kill oh, Stone Cold Stone oh, Serpent. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so, smartly <laughs> <laughs> and so, I th- I thought that that had a higher chance of coming up than someone like Medley Maging or Surgical Extracting Disenchant. I couldn't. Really actually, s- would ever like which in which matchup would somebody meddling Mage Disenchant? Exactly, like, exactly. Maybe like the craziest game against Esper Wild, where they really want to protect the Wild. That's so random. Yeah. So I, I, a- <laughs> I exactly. So I could I couldn't see those scenarios coming up. So. I went with something that kills Stone Cold Serpent. That's literally it. Uh, it's so niche, but yeah, it's fun yeah. to think about these things. The true answer is that you you own the Arena League promos in real life, and they're so sweet, and you want to play them. That's what I would say. God no, I've got the old artwork. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Canem, you are the master of Legacy now. You share the throne for a week with. Uh, well, who wouldn't know it? Uh, Sunday Legacy Challenge won by our good friend Jonathan Anskelescu. Surprise, surprise. JPA ninety three, yeah, no, yep. nobody could have seen that coming, right? No, <laughs> he just casually tenos the Sunday challenge. Like for me, I snuck into top eight at five two and then managed to win out. He's just like, yeah, whatever, seven zero Swiss, just crush everyone, just kill everything. Everything's so easy. So you know, it's so funny. I've never been happier to see Sneak and Show do well. <laughs> it's that we'll see about that. It's that big loud cousin that you don't really like, but you you kind of missed because. You were dealing with a bigger, you know, louder cousin. Having sneak and show in the meta game and doing stuff is a little bit like watching Tiger King. Like you, if you're <laughs> in the mood, you you enjoy it. Like you want to see the big stupid thing happening. You don't want to happen for it to happen like all the time. But yeah, I the, the big yeah. stupid cousin, I guess. The be- most beautiful thing to me about the deck is that he's playing two copies of Indian Click in the sideboard. I, oh, I didn't just, see that. It might be my favorite card together with Noble Hierarch. And I guess the combo of turn one, Noble Hierarch, turn two, Vendidian Click has always been my favorite opening in mm-hmm. Legacy. But yeah, it's not happening this deck. I guess you can turn one with uh, Lotus Petals. Interestingly, <laughs> he's not playing the Dazes. I, I think he's been on record saying whenever he doesn't know what to do in the meta game, he just yeah. champs the Dazes. But this time he's playing two Spare Pierces and two Fluster Storms. I think he, play, um, he says he plays Dazes and Simeon Spirit Guides when Delver's very good. Because against Delver, you want to just go under them and like not give them time uh-huh. to set up. But now, I guess expected like slower matchups. I mean, this is really it all hinges around Dreadhorde, right? Like he yeah. he doesn't need to just jam into things. He can take his time, set up mana, set up like his his classic show and tell with ten forcible backups and isn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't been there? Like we've we, <laughs> yeah. all been there. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I, actually, actually, what I realized was um, it's not that I'm especially happy to see Sneak and Show back. Like the deck can be pretty miserable to play against at times. I'm just happy to see him back. Um, he's he's one of the most like consistent players of all the Magic Online events, and he's you know he's just one of the guys that loves Legacy m- most. And to see him really unhappy with the format for so long was just quite upsetting. So I don't know. I I just felt so good seeing him happy again. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to JPA. Yeah, By the way, second place, we, we have Sylvia Vataro, who's usually, like, um, I think Sylvia is a Japanese legacy grinder, and yep. at least I follow them on Twitter, and I see, like, all these, these posts about Rock Delver, uh, but for this challenge, they actually played, this is more like Buck, yeah, it's not more like Buck Delver, it's this straight is, up Buck Delver. This is wild, <laughs> this is like, I mean, there's four rows, um, but other than that, this is like a really old kind of deck list. There's four Dark Confidence and a creeping tar pit. Jordi, if you told me a creeping tarpit was in like second place of a legacy challenge a few weeks ago, I'd probably laugh. Like, nah, no way. Yeah. What's but, it supposed to do? Like attack what? Oko? Attack an Oko down to twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, yeah. L- like you mentioned, it, 
it uses that really old school thing of of pairing like four dark confidence in a buckshot, which hasn't really been a thing in quite a while. But no. they almost took down the entire event, and it's I, I, I'm just scared and excited at the same time to see four auras in that deck. Um, but the dark confidence really making me excited for it because I think that confident. It didn't really have a spot in the metagame, right? When, when you can play Dread or Darkness, why would you ever play Dark Confident? There, there have been good comparisons made about like how Dread or Darkness was infinitely better than Dark Confident. Uh, but even before Dread or Darkness became a thing, Dark Confident was barely even a thing in Legacy. Like People played in 4-color loam and only because you could get it out on the first turn. But here, we, mm-hmm. we got a deck that can go like Chon Mondiver, Chon Shoot Dark Confident. Yeah. And then you're like in this weird spot where you kind of want to kill it with the Confident, but you also probably got to deal with the Delva rather soonish, especially if it flips. Um, I I wonder... Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty scary. What would even be the alternative? Like, you, I guess you could play two more Tarmogolfs, but I don't know how good that would be. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I was kind of building this kind of thing, I probably would have started with two bobs because I'm just so unsure of how good it is these days. But um, hey, life loss is mitigated by Uro, right? So... Oh yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. It, it just seems very good actually in this deck, which is cool. Because yeah, Sylvia they play like mostly more aggressive styles of Delver that I've seen. Like they were they were always on uh, Rug Delver for the last year or two, and before that I've seen them play a lot of like the Stifle Mongoose kind of style. But this I I very much didn't expect. Like I saw their name going up in the standings and stuff, and I was like, okay, they're probably on like Blue Red or I actually I expect a Grix Delver from them. But no, this is like really not what I expected. And it is truly a mid-range deck. This is not a, like an aggro Delver deck. I, I was watching them stream and uh, for pro- probably half the event and they were like grinding out like really super turn 20 mm-hmm. grindy games. As you'd expect, like they have three sticks on the sideboard, I can assume from like Delver mirrors and stuff. Um, it is very much a, a mid-range deck. This reminds me a lot of what Marius was playing at GP Strasbourg 2013. He also played Buck Delver, and he also had, I think, three or four Strixes in the sideboard for, for basically what you're saying, mm-hmm. right? But he also brought them in against Control, because yeah. he, he said eventually Control also has to deal with them, because they put pr- pressure on Planeswalkers. And that was when Control decks didn't play Bear for Strix or, like, you know, Ice Fang Codal, so they could really oh, yeah. attack Anapost in the air, and when you get two of them and they attack Chase every turn, they, they eventually become a problem. I mean, and, I mean, uh, yeah. GP Bologna... Andrea Mangucci top eights with three strikes in his Bugdelva sideboard as well. Ah, see. Yeah. Andrea so. is, a, is a smart guy. By the way, Andrea is on an on a Italian talk show tonight. Ooh, yes, he, I saw that. He, he was invited as the stereotypical nerd. And I was almost was going to tell him, like, when I saw the picture, dude, you, you were, you're wearing the nicest shoes. How do you <laughs> want to represent, like, team super nerds when you're playing, like, wearing the nicest Italian shiny black shoes? That doesn't work that way. you got to wear, I don't know, Converse All-Stars or something. I, th- I think he's the most likable person I've ever, like, just grown to know in my life it's it's ridiculous i don't know what else to say he's just so nice and so likable and he's always so in such a good mood and there's so many emojis yeah <laughs> people, people talk about him and i think that's a really good comparison i think he's literally the best ambassador the game could ever imagine yeah completely agree that's that wizards should like wizards should be so thankful and shower him in all the money in the world just because <laughs> he's probably like bringing more people into matching and, and giving them like a good mood and everything than any, anybody else before this i was watching him do a uh, a package on opening of like pre-modern cards and stuff he's he's got the old school bug at the moment which is pretty cool to watch Oh, yeah, he's, he's kind of really into old school, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, oh, just like a moment before I was watching him, like, hand out food to, to poor <laughs> orphans and stuff. He like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, Andrea, that's what he yeah. does. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't, just doesn't talk about it. Probably. But yeah, this deck, this deck is cool. This deck is, is pretty cool. Um, people love Bugdelver as well. I think we'll, we'll see people play this. 
it's yeah backstabbers are healthy diver deck that's yeah. just like that that's a really cool thing to have around it's it's very straightforward it's also the kind of deck that you could give somebody who's not that experienced in legacy because the play style and the deck the cards are rather straightforward mm-hmm. all right I like it moving on to the next one without looking julian can you tell me what the card demonic law does oh okay um <laughs> it's it's quite it's quite a new card uh yeah 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 I, I i actually looked it up and now i forgot again and i thought actually there's something that's better oh fuck okay i'm gonna cheat okay. um, i'm gonna cheat i'm actually i'm only gonna look at the at the artwork okay it okay. still doesn't help me <laughs> <laughs> nice so this is classic uh ethan formicella who is monkeys can't cry third place he he he's a brilliant deck builder he was the first person to start building doomsday again with with the release of Thassa's Oracle. And he was like just kind of casually 5 0 all the time and doing well in prelims for about a month before people picked up on the deck being good. So nice to see him do well again. So Demonic Lore is just a one-off in his sideboard, which is an enchantment for two and a black. As ETBs, you draw three cards. At the beginning of your end step, you lose two life for each card in your hand. So I have to imagine this comes into the combo piles where you could like duck ritual into it and just draw three quite easily. Now I remember why I was uh, actually looking up the card because when I looked it up, I thought, hey, maybe Meditate could actually be better than that. But then again, Meditate, not only is it blue, which mm. is kind of hard to cast in, in the stack, even though like it pitches to force, but I think here it's more important that you, you can cast it like much much easier, especially in a deck that wants triple black. But it also, I, I, I can imagine scenarios where you can't even cast your Meditate because it might actually kill you because drawing four might, yeah, might just be too much true. of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, have to, I have to imagine this is like, comes in against pyroblast matchups is my guess oh see another upside yeah i'm I'm not sure i'll have to ask him he'll school us he'll like say oh you guys are idiots it's, it's obviously this and you know like 80 percent of cases when when you actually ask the person they're like oh this was the worst card in my deck never played and <laughs> yeah, then they, it yeah, gets played true. for like half a year because everybody copies the list and they are off and like two or three months later people start asking on the stream hey have you heard about demonic law why are you not playing and you're like oh my god like i've been there with elves right oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah totally Mm. But yeah, Doomsday. Doomsday is probably, if you ask me, it's one of the premier decks in the uh, in the format right now. It, it's probably yeah. super hard to tell um, for sure, but I, I think it's just really good. I think the most interesting sub battle in Legacy going on right now is Ant versus Doomsday. Like, which one's actually better? Because uh, Ant has seen a lot of play lately. It, it yeah. did well in both challenges, and with Dreadhought Gun, um, the, the the big draw to Aunt over, for example, the Epic Storm has always been that um, the deck is much more capable of grinding stuff out. You know, you, you, you can often just get there with a single ritual into Pastime Flames, which uh, it, it's a much harder thing for the Epic Storm to accomplish. So the Epic Storm usually like tries to make stuff happen faster and go for mm-hmm. goblins and things like that. Uh, but now that time is back in Legacy and... Yeah, I I could see the 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 deck becoming a thing again, and then we will see. I I think there's it's going to be interesting what the quote unquote premier pilots of these decks are going to gravitate to. That that's yeah. what I want to see. I think there's there's two different schools of thought for Doomsday currently. There's the one with four personal tutors, which is the one we have here. Uh, it's like the kind of turbo one, which is is super strong. I think it's the one that's putting up more results right now. But you can also go a lot more grindy approach with either Teferi's or Uros and play like a kind of a control deck-esque thing, especially post-sideboard. Um, yeah, it's to be seen what's better. I think the, the, the personal tutor one is putting up more results now, at least. So what I'm wondering, mm-hmm. how expensive is a personal tutor? 
Ah, okay. So personal tutor is like 28 euros and it has only been printed in Portal the way I see it. Yeah. So Dude, that card might actually go up. I'm I'm just saying. I'm, I I own zero copies. I'm not hyping it. Uh-huh. I'm I'm just <laughs> thinking if if like four copies of is this a rare? No, this is an uncommon. Ah, uh, that's that's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I, I could see it. I maybe see, maybe this maybe. is going to reprint it. When maybe, pe- when paper comes back, maybe it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it could go up a little bit. So so you were mentioning there's there's two schools of thought, right? Yeah. So the yeah, the the Turbo Doomsday with personal tutors, um, game one especially, it's just like well, I, probably in all the games, it's just looking to resolve Doomsday, and then you build the pile based on the matchup and how you need to win, which um. Yeah, the previous versions before Personal Tutor, like I'm super critical of cards like Personal Tutor. I think they are, without more context, pretty bad. I hate cards that like tutor for something mm. but put you down a card. But um, I, I'm I'm wrong in this case. People are people are doing really well with it. Like I've always said, Limdon's Vault is terrible, and I think I I've even said <laughs> Vampire Tutor could probably be unbanned. But yeah, maybe I'm wrong on those. <laughs> So, uh, Vampiric Tutor is an interesting case. You can probably like have a dedicated unban episode at some point because the card, like having played Vintage, it always felt like yeah, okay, but not like a standout card. And I would actually cite it out quite often. Uh, yeah. I, I hear Vintage has somewhat changed that resolving your ancestor recalls is just so much more important now that people like play the kind of card again. They, they're basically ca- taking the card disadvantage to get the even bigger card advantage. Oh, I've never seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's that's um, what's going on in that deck. And yep. what's actually the other version? What's the, what's the second school of thought for Doomsday? I haven't like, like delved into them too deeply, so I don't want to like spit out a whole list. But they are like kind of leaning on Uro and Baleful Strix, and in sometimes uh, Teferi Time Raveler as just like masquerading as this like it's, it's especially like leaning on Strix, even then going into Esper or Bug. Um, Playing this longer game, so basically it means you don't like rely on Dark Ritual as much, and you don't rely on the personal tutor to find the Doomsday. You just play this slow game. They probably have like abrupt decays and stuff as well, and you just play a kind of control esque kind of thing. And you have like your cantrips, your forces, your discard, your removal. You are just kind of like a bug control deck that eventually casts Doomsday, like kind of at your leisure after drawing. Like obviously Marcus is playing Predict and Mishra's Baubles in his version. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, you know, Max, uh, Max Torsion has yep. put it that way. Uh, one of them is a deck that only wants to resolve Doomsday, and the other one doesn't care about resolving Doomsday. That's a great way of putting it. Like, fantastic way of putting it. All right, ignore everything I said and just listen to that. It's uh, the snappy, cool way of doing it. I like it. That's why he has a website. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we'd have a website? <laughs> well, we, we are going to have a website soon, as soon as I figure out this, this uh, Illustrator thing. Nice, nice. So yeah, we'll see how Doomsday goes. Um, we've got some listener questions at the end, so we'll talk about Doomsday a little bit more there, I think, because it is on people's minds. People are worried about how good it is, so be good to chat oh, true, about true. it. Yeah. All right, next one. We've got Sneak and Show again. Uh, so yeah, we, we're we doing the Sunday challenge. Yeah, and a second copy of Sneak and Show. This one has two spirit guides and four dazes, so very likely they just, as most good Sneak and Show players do, they copy JPA. So um, it's probably taken from that and then for next week we're going to see all people off dazes and playing the fuss storms and spell cases <laughs> like jpa it's just the, the way the deck goes i'm sure so yeah good showing of sneak and show it's always that kind of best week one deck like we always joke about it and it, it always happens sneak and show is just perfect for crushing people that are kind of trying to work out what to do in the format so yeah that's cool uh fifth place we have death and taxes i love to see it as usual 
like it's again like you say when when the deck is putting up results it's probably a quite a fun format yeah. Uh, I just like feel while it's never really oppressive in any kind of way, even though it's one of the, the probably like one of the ten most powerful cards in Legacy. Yeah, it's just so much fun, and it, it's before I ever really played wild decks or got to somewhat understand Death in Texas, the the, the famous Danes, right, Inewalds and Bonder, Mark Koenig, like all all these guys who who played Death in Texas religiously, they always told me playing Death in Texas, especially the Mirror, is like playing chess. And when you get to experience it, you really get to feel it. And if you have any kind of sense for for liking that kind of gameplay, that that's just like the best place to be, I feel. And yeah, I... I, I want to see these decks prosper, not only because I often play decks that are good against them, but also because I think they make for the best kind kind of gameplay. Yeah, and this this one seems pretty well-rounded. Like, there's now only one Spirit of the Labyrinth. Uh, there used to be four because of, like, snow and stuff. And there's a Khan sign of version in the sideboard I can spy. So that's, like, clearly with something like Rick's Control in mind, like the Control decks, thinking it's coming back. So, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty, yeah, I'm just looking for anything else that kind of sticks out. But, no, it's uh, pretty well-rounded. Next we have Elves. This is Aaron Relentless, who has been like crushing with it for a while. This is um, Newton Hang's kind of version with the reclaimers and stuff. He likes to call it "Oops, all cradles." So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, because he's got the, the two crop rotations and there. Two crop rotations, four reclaimers, and obviously the four guys' cradles to find it. So he yeah, yeah. he just says like the game plan is always to get cradle and then use how use how strong it is. He he's said he's built the deck to be as like strong against plague engineer as possible which makes sense like you can see in the sideboard there's a cabal pit which is his answer to it <laughs> so he can like crop rotation he, he also used to have that thing um that i don't remember the name of the land i will never for, uh, never actually remember it it's a blue land uh that mills your opponent for four or something uh, so you can actually bring it in ipni rivulet yeah, bless you okay people if you guys are listening here. Has anybody understood or can spell out what Callum just said? Because I really want to know. I really want to know. If it's you're listening easy. to this anywhere, if anyone played, just say it again. If anyone played Pioneer, they'll know the the format staple Ipnu Rivulet. I P N U, then R I V U L E T. You're just making up. Dude, you're just making up vowels and, and consonants. I'm, I make language. stuff up all the time. So yeah, this is not how language works, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure if, if this is like the second time you said the same thing as the first time. It's like EP <laughs> Oh, you got but it. Yeah, you got it. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. See, it's so easy. You're just like. <laughs> <laughs> but you you have two crop rotations to find it, so you can actually like mess up doomsday. Funny enough. If your opponent somewhat expects it, you, you can get to a mind game. And if they have, for example, a couple of Cyclas, it, it, it's like not a guaranteed victory, but it gives you a lot more plus EV in that kind of matchup. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. But yeah, it's really only for that matchup. And it, it remains to be seen whether it's worth an entire slot, but, but it's a really cool thing that, uh, that he used to have in the sideboard there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. By the way, in speaking of being as good as possible against Plague Engineer, um, we we obviously won't be going over all like uh, 64 deck lists from the two events, but something I have seen that really made me feel like, wow, what's going on here? Prima Plume got top 32 in one of the challenges, and Prima Plume played standard straight up elves, and they had spider fucking silk armor in the sideboard. <laughs> this is a pu- spider silk armor. This is a pauper staple. This is the pauper staple. Yeah. I remember playing yeah. pauper for one of the very first times, and I played in one of those things where wizards, I, I don't know what they, I think they called it the gauntlet, right? You signed up and they gave yeah, you like yeah. a random deck from the format, and they gave me a Mardu 
value deck. I had like all <laughs> kinds of blink effects and I could draw cards, draw cards, draw cards like crazy, gain life, do everything. And my opponent literally put a single spider silk armor on play. And I, like, I, you could see the deck list, right? Because the gauntlet mm-hmm. deck lists were, were publicly available. And I go through my deck and I'm like, I literally can't beat a single spider silk armor. Like, <laughs> what's going, like, everything has reach and plus zero plus one. I have nothing that can attack once they get, like, one or two creatures on the board. I literally mm-hmm. can't, like, I can't remove stuff or I can't <laughs> remove nearly enough stuff. I don't have, like, a mess removal that... I literally am dead to spiders at Karma. And ever since I've been trying to make it a thing in Legacy, but I never had the balls to actually do it. But Prima Pluma went there and they put spiders at Karma on the sideboard, which mm-hmm. basically completely nullifies the uh, Plague Engineer. But it's also, like, kind of nice against Delver, right? Because suddenly everything you have can block Delver. That's a big thing. Yeah, very true. And, like, Marilage, I guess. Yeah, it's really yeah, cool. Age, Grizzle Brand, what have you? Yeah, very cool. Um, <laughs> and like people are probably still like you said, Plague Engine is the big one. Um, people might still be on kind of like uh, Blazing Volley or Electric Curry and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, that's nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> Those cards. And uh, rounding out this top eight, we have Boomer Ant is back. I say that with lots of love. We have, yep, yeah, it's Ant, it's got like Wish Call Talisman and stuff as well. So this is Demato EXP, uh, who's Daniel. And yeah, it's just really cool to see it. I mean, I don't know. Like, people are saying it kind of died because of Veil and stuff, but I, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like it died because of Veil. And it's yeah. it's put up the results. Like, you laughed at me last episode because I said that Veil hasn't killed the deck, but it was Red Hood Arcanist that did. Um, but you're less drunk now. You've had less Spanish wine, so <laughs> you're agreeing. I still have a <laughs> bottle of Spanish, but I'm, I'm not ah! drinking water tonight. <laughs> Good, good. I'm drinking some some good faucet water. I, I put some bubbles into it. It's time. called Soda Stream. Maybe Soda Stream is going to sp- sponsor the stream, or maybe you know the Spanish wine company. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it Spanish remains wine. to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, pretty cool stuff. So he has a Fluster Storm in the main deck, which kind of stands out to me. That is probably out of respect for Veil. He has one Veil himself, which is low actually for usual. He has three more on the sideboard, so I guess that makes sense. Otherwise, pretty pretty standard, pretty cool. And yeah, that, that rounds up that, that top eight. Um, I thought we could mention the the other just cool decks from the Saturday top eight just quickly. Tenth place, for example, right? Hmm? Seventh tenth place. place. Tenth place. Oh, seventh place. No, tenth place. Oh, oh yes. Okay, from this challenge still. Tenth place is labeled UBG by Cradley, but it's um this guy has posted on Reddit as well and talked about the deck. And it's called just like Bug Gotchas which is a really cool name. Um, <laughs> and so basically it's a obviously a bug deck playing collected company and like four opposite opposition agents, four hull breaches. And it's playing like Noble Hierarchs and Greens and Seventh to get Dried Arbor so you can enable the turn two gotchas. It's pretty cool. Like I've seen I've seen people questioning the, the lack of brainstorm and ponder in the deck, but you're playing Greens and Seventh and Collected Company and force and you need to like have enough creatures there's 28 creatures including the arbor you need to have enough of these hits for these cards um it's it's i mean brainstorm this is kind of like merfolk honestly yeah this reminds me a little of like merfolk or slivers or stuff like you play a bunch of creatures and then just the bare minimum of utility like in this case you play the four collector companies and the four greens and senates just because they're also pretty good and and other than that you just go you you go to the face you you have your lands you cast your spells and then it's it's also by the way the greens and senate like you mentioned it's actually the way to accelerate to three so this like really 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 wants to go to three and yeah 
so yeah, That's I like it's doing it because in the Reddit thread I saw them being like questioned pretty heavily about like not playing Brainstorm, which I do get that argument as well. But I think I I really like the outside the box thinking of playing a blue deck without Brainstorm. It's and not Chalice as well. Um, I mean maybe Brainstorm ends up being too good that you should play it because it kind of sets up mm-hmm. sets up Clet's company as well in a way. But at the same time, yeah, I, I, I there's a very good argument to not playing it here because you do need to have this creature number high for Clet's company. And you want the green sun and the noble hierarchs to accelerate you. So, yeah, pretty good deck building. Yeah. Like yeah. it. I'm a fan. That, that's the deck that stood out to me. Um, if, yeah. if you want to like uh, cover anything else, sure, go ahead. And then. I just thought we could because there's two challenges because it's a new format. I thought I just like we don't need to go in in depth for the things, but we uh-huh. could, we could mention the top eight of the Saturday. Sure. So in second place we had blue black shadow. That's the one without delvers. In third place we had is it delver. With Terramander, which I didn't really expect, um, and no Sprite Dragon. I'm a big fan of Sprite Dragons, so I think we'll mostly see that. Mm-hmm. We in fourth place we had Andalusium Tendrils again, uh, pretty pretty stock. We had Hogak in fifth. We had Grixis Control in sixth. Grixis Control might be back. Um, I'm st- I'm still pretty skeptical based on what I talked about earlier about Esper being better colors currently, but it's pretty cool to see that again. Colgan's Command making a return. Seven. And it has Tombstalker. I, oh, I yes. can't stress this enough. Tomb Daddy is like back. We, we were making fun, or at least I was making fun of Matt on the last podcast for suggesting Tombstalker to come back. Like, look who's laughing now. The yeah. big, big 5-5 five, five flyer. Oh, I mean, if people are playing Source of it's pretty bad, but if people are playing Bolts, <laughs> it's it's not. But it's pretty get bad against Strix, and Strix like, really come back as well. So we'll see. Uh, seventh place, we have Mark uh, on Miracles, who is Baby Online. With his like very uh, planeswalker heavy one, he has one day's undoing to go with the Narsets and one Holbreach in the main. So he he crushed me in the Swiss of the of the challenge we played. Like three Narsets. Oh, he has one Teferi and he drew it like all the games. God damn it! <laughs> I shouldn't have seen this. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Narset he thinks is very good if you protect it, which makes sense. So he's using two Terminus and Source Plashes to keep creatures at bay. And eighth place we have another Doomsday. Um, looks like Bug with four personal tutors as well. So yeah, I just thought worth mentioning. Um both challenges very diverse at the same time as having like lots of kind of similar decks doing well. But some players we haven't seen for a while, so very cool. Very happy with it. Uh, I think oh well, something I want to mention is um we we saw Blue Red Diver in this top eight. I think overall I think Blue Red Diver might have been the most played diver deck of all the diver variants in these two deck and these two events. And I think that makes sense because uh, I can't really tell you why, but I kind of feel like it might end up being the best diver deck, at least in the short run. There's not too, like, it's probably between like some kind of diver shadow, which has been doing pretty well as well. Uh, I think Blue Red Diver just overall has like pretty sweet cards. Uh, Historically, it has somewhat struggled with combo, uh, but it kind of made up for it by being faster than the other diver decks. And especially if you have something like Sprite Dragon, that that helps you out quite a lot. So. I, I think the Sprite Dragon probably is going to be in the deck. Um, is there a Forager? I think so. That, that card is very good, yeah. Forager I much prefer on Shadow. I, I think you want to play that card with Discard because Discard mm-hmm. is more proactive, fills your graveyard, uh, yeah, like rather than more counter magic or burn. Like if you're playing burn, you can like throw bolts at their faces, then cast the Forager, but then it just like puts you down on disruption. But otherwise with Thoughtseize into... Thoughtseize, Ponder, blah, blah, turn three, Whale. You've now taken their removal spells for it. You at least get an attack in. Uh, I like the Whale when it has Thoughtseize, basically. I think. Mm-hmm. I, have, I, have a couple, I have a couple of heuristics for like post-ban for like new metagames, and it's pretty often that you shouldn't overthink your deck building, um, to put it in a simple way. So basically, I think whenever like there's a like 
obviously the bands recently have really shaken Delver. Like many people really go back to Grixis or Shadow or Blue Red now. And I'm a big fan of starting at Blue Red and then playing that until you see what comes out. Like Thoughtseize is not good in Delver mirrors. Maybe like Delver is still I mean, Delver is still obviously very, very good. So if you have loads of Delver mirrors, you don't really want to be in black for Thoughtseize, but maybe just for Gurmagangler. Um you might be want to be in Bug, like the second place list on Sunday. Um, it, these things aren't clear though to me so I think starting at like blue red having good mana mm-hmm. having good threats you know what your cards do you know you can bolt your opponent um, you want to start there and I have the same kind of idea for control decks I think I like for miracles kind of style control decks I really like starting at blue white people are automatically going to Jeskai for, for pyroblast and yeah pyroblast probably is the right thing to play eventually but for week one week two I really like just having like good mana people are trying to wasteland you you don't know if you need pyroblast for a specific matchup like maybe it's not that great against shadow for example um and that was played a lot it's decent against blue delva though i don't know i just think you shouldn't be like hedging with these kind of things you should just play decks with good mana good threats you know what they do and so yeah i think we'll see lots of blue delva based on those kind of ideas and then as the format kind of shakes out and people understand what's going on you'll see different splashes and stuff yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how good something like Hooting Mandras or Tarmogolf are going to be. Because if those cards are not going to be great, then there's very little reason to actually go into Ruck, right? There's, yes. You'd much rather be in, into Buck because you're going to get this card out of it. Um, I guess the the other upside is you get the Pyroblast that you mentioned, but as you said, it remains to be seen whether that's actually something you want. Yeah, like, like for example, if you're playing Hooty Mandrills and Tarmogoyf, if you played against the Esper deck I played, I mean, you're dealing with, like, Baleful Strixes and Unearthing Baleful Strixes and Swords and Snap Swords. <laughs> like, that is, it's just the, your worst threats you can imagine. Whereas, at least, yeah, I guess the, the deck is just quite good against Delver itself anyway. But Blue Red Delver is just better because your, your threats are a lot more, f- like, fast-forwarded, like, just kind of clear, attack you, bolt you out, you have more bolts for whatever creatures people are playing way and more creatures against True Nemesis yeah that, that, that's yeah. something that's better against Strix as well I mean exactly. that's where your uh, your plague engineers comes in but mm-hmm. I mean we already know that your deck is basically unbeatable <laughs> yeah kind of it is pretty good against Delva I think it hasn't lost against that yet you know if you find a deck that's pretty good against Delva and also decent against combo then that, that's probably the place where you want to be yeah. in, in order to like get a pretty good win percentage yeah th- th- I think the deck is actually quite good it's performed way better than I thought uh, I I, had... <laughs> I thought you said, it, it performed very better than I am as a player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've played I've played okay in the challenge. I made a bunch of mistakes as well, as everyone always does. I uh, got a little bit lucky, as you always do, to do do well in events. But um, yeah, I, I, I was questioning it. I played it because I thought it was fun, first and foremost. But um, people have been reporting back. They did well. I saw um, the Japanese streamer who is um, Mo Panda. He streamed and he kind of like lost a very close match for a 5-0. I've had a lot of friends message saying they tried it and 4-1 quite easily. So yeah, the deck is actually seems pretty good. And I think Esper colors are just strong right now. You want swords and you want hate bears for combo. And it's it's a place to be, in my opinion. Awesome. awesome. Uh, is there anything else that sticks out to you that you want, want to talk about? Like, for example, I saw a sweet Landstill deck that played four standstills, two modes and stuff, um, uh, Shark Typhoon. Is there, is there anything else? Uh, or should we just move on to listener questions? I would have to go through them again so I, I, let's let's move on because i haven't uh, gone through it sure. completely but I, I did see that stanza list and yeah hell yeah moat <laughs> bring it back <laughs> so yeah uh it, it's probably pretty good if people are playing i was about to say creatures it seems so simple but yeah stanza it seems pretty decent <laughs> honestly very cool yeah there's some sweet stuff going on yeah we've been seeing a lot of like it's it wasn't really a deck before 
but Arkin has been streaming it and uh, Rob Gladiator, good player from, I think he lives in Berlin, but he's from Italy. Be these kind of like bug Euro decks, but they are like leaning on Field of the Dead as a, as a win con, which I'm pretty scared of. Oh, as, as okay, okay, okay. So these kind of things have, have just kind of popped up as like the kind of week one control deck, which has kind of surprised me, but it's pretty good. I think I think there's something there. Field of the Dead is quite an underplayed card in Legacy, in my opinion. And if you are like ramping out with Euro and stuff, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I remember when, when Snow was big, uh, Marius and I, we tried to make it a thing in, in Maverick, just so that we can have some like endgame trump card against against uh, those decks. Mm-hmm. But then they also started playing Moon, and it, like the, the way the games played out, like occasionally making like the 2-2 zombie in the late game, uh, didn't really work out all that way in Maverick. But mm-hmm. I think if you if you do it in a deck like that, that has a lot more things going on, and yeah, I could see it. I could see it. It's actually, to me, it's just like overall just super exciting when people bring non-super broken cards into the format and try to make them a thing, right? I mean, we're laughing now. Maybe half a year from now, we're (laughs) going to be like, oh my God, Field of the Dead again. Oh, thank you very much. Can we please go back to It is very much that kind of card. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh my God. It's such a... When you see it and you know it's good against your deck, you're like, oh, fuck. So yeah, maybe maybe we'll get there. Oh, by the way, check this out. 32nd place. Oh my God, that name. MW underscore 94 GA. Whatever that means. This deck is they are sick. playing. This yes. deck is insanely sick, right? They're they're playing. Was it is it Buck Dreadnought? So they're playing yep. four Phyrexian Dreadnought, and I mean, some of you might remember. For those who don't, it's a one mana twelve twelve trample. Don't it say don't say anymore. Team. Yeah, don't say anymore. That's cool. That, that's it. That, that's how it was introduced to me, like almost twenty five years ago when uh-huh. I first heard about <laughs> it. And the the catches when it comes to play, you have to sacrifice enough other creatures or enough creatures in total. Uh, to cover basically power 12 so yeah. you, you already gotta have 12 power in play in order to actually stick this around otherwise it's just gonna die to its own ability so the way you historically used to get around that is stifle and they are rocking for stifle but they also have four, uh, three copies of torpor orb which not only takes away the comes into play ability of the Frexian dreadnought so you, it's straight up uh, one mana 12 12 trample it also takes away the comes into play ability of uro which they are also playing so it doesn't die to its own uh, ability so you just like you have a three mana six six trample when it attacks draws a card and gains you a three life it's not bad it's insane torpor is actually quite a good card in the format again you laughed at me last week for suggesting the card is good and you <laughs> did i oh my yeah. god what's happened to me drunk julian was up, was up to no good but um i mean imagine you're playing against doomsday and you just like game one torpor with them <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's like okay attack me with your mouth come on bring it bring yeah, it on yeah. I have a 12 12 trample get through it <laughs> exactly so it's, it's pretty cool and like I guess they expected DMT I mean imagine you play against Esper Vile and you just like game one top row of them <laughs> it's also good against elves no yeah. card draw no yeah. card off behemoth very true so it's pretty cool I like this deck a lot um, this player is a, another Japanese player and they've done very well with like blue white blade with Niv Magus Elemental as well and stuff they're, they're a real brewer very cool Actually, I'd love to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this. I've been playing for a while to gather loads of Twitter accounts of lots of Japanese players because they're just incredible deck builders and there's so much like innovation and thoughts about it. So, I'll uh, I'll look out for a tweet from me soon with like a, a list of all these Japanese players because cool, I, lo- yeah. I love what they're up to. Awesome. Yeah. I see they're also playing three copies of Hydroblast. They know what's going on, man. Oh yeah, they're. What are you looking to to count of those Hydroblasts? Uh, Pyroblasts. <laughs> Yeah, but those are not even that great against you. Then, like yeah, they pyroblast the Oro, you bring it back. It's true. It's true. You know what? I'm I'm not really sure, honestly. Um, Burn. <laughs> maybe removal on your top orb, like a braid. I don't know. Maybe. But that's that's already pushing it quite a bit. 
Maybe yeah. you know, maybe they're just like straight up that counter like brainstorm and shit. <laughs> oh, Bayfor Strix. Bayfor Strix is pretty good against threat. Even, but I guess you wouldn't bring in like Hydro. Oh no, this actually, no, that's not a red card. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I'm actually not sure. I'm, yeah, I, I actually gotta admit, like I, I can't like try to pull stuff out of my ass, but I'm really not sure. There's probably like some something super smart that I'm missing, but maybe we can ask them. They this player posted a um, really sweet Esper Stoneforge deck today as well. I think with unearths and stuff, so maybe they saw the the mentor list, and they mm-hmm. they five would a league with basically taking out mentor and putting in stoneforge mystic, which I had joked with people about if you want to make the deck worse, do this, but they, they did well with it. So <laughs> yeah, I can't really talk. They they played three, you know, they played three drown in the lock in their deck as well, which <laughs> seems pretty sweet. Oh, uh, you just mentioned stoneforge mystic. We, we we should actually like we should keep up a stoneforge mystic watch to see how well that card is actually going to do in the meta game because there, it's not getting a lot of love right now. And, hey, there, I mean, there was there was a straight blue white blade list in one of the challenges as well in the top thirty-two. Oh, one of them actually. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I I mean just like I. I Stoneforge Mystic is the exact opposite of almost anything I want to do in Legacy. It loses tempo, it, it puts everything on the line and like spending a lot of mana on something that can easily be, be stopped. So it's, yeah, I'm I'm not super keen on Stoneforge and I I think I'm only playing two copies of it in, in Maverick right now. If, anyway. if, um, if Blue Red Delver picks up in play and like continues to be a pretty big thing, I'm a big fan of like playing two Stoneforges and a Balisk on the sideboard of Blue White Control decks actually. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they won't bring in a Braid and stuff in the blind. And it's super powerful in the cyborg game. So, you know, that's the kind of thing I'd be looking to do. It's, it's great in DNT, obviously, uh, but otherwise, I agree. It's not. I think there's just better threats to be doing, but there's there's uses for it. So, I can you know what, what? What blue white stormblade decks? Oh, blue white control decks should actually play. They should just play like true name nemesis and worship. Well, then you get plague engineered. But not out of blue red um, diver. I guess. But I, I guess you still <laughs> got to resolve your four mana enchantment. But yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> and they'll be pyroblasting your true names. But yeah. On the stack, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe <laughs> this is this is where Hydroblast comes in then. <laughs> ah, yeah, okay, fine. I see. <laughs> I see. Yeah, so overall, like, lots of sweet decks to choose from. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's really nothing that says, hey, you gotta play me, or you're definitely gonna feel worse, other than, you know, mentor control that, that Calum is, is putting out right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, actually, as, as a note on Uro, um, I mean, there's been a lot of, like, kind of quote-unquote hot takes from people saying, yeah, obviously Uro is still good, and yeah, obviously Delve is still good. I didn't really see people saying they didn't think these cards would be good. It's kind of like a pretty lukewarm take, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but the hottest of hot takes, I know, are right? Like the most boring ones. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but Uro does feel like someone someone put this these words earlier, so I've, I'm stealing them. But they said Uro feels like a choice now rather than a card you have to play, which yeah. which I think is true and really cool. Um, the card is really obnoxiously good against Delver. Still, it's it's super strong, obviously. Um, but yeah, we'll see where it goes. The card, the card is great, so expect to play versus it more. I think these bug control decks will keep doing well, but uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I'm I'm just getting a little bit confused. I just got a notification on my phone, which like it, it still can send me stuff, but I can't click anything. Uh, we just talked about the, the the Japanese magic scene, and apparently we got a picture from somebody from the Japanese magic scene. And I'm only seeing the thumbnail and it looks gross. It looks like, okay, I can't even say what it is. It's probably some kind of weird fruit that I've never heard about. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a surprise. Maybe I can post it to the Discord. Nice, nice, <laughs> cool. And speaking of Discord, should, should we move on to the questions? Yeah, definitely. 
Sure. So we received overall uh, something like five listener questions for this episode. So if you want to submit your questions, you can become a Patreon on patreon.com slash everydayeternal and join our community where we mostly share food, weird jokes, and sometimes also questions with regard to legacy. (laughs) So the first one comes from our good friend Franco Bolli. Pair the question for the show post. How do you control your emotions while you are playing and and slow down? Basically, how do you how do you yeah. stay cool? How do you win those tournaments? I think this comes from the the the, the easy answer is playing a lot. Really, um, <laughs> I think I think it's people get kind of stressed out when they're playing in like high stakes situations or they're doing well in a tournament. And the number one thing to remember is that's fine. It, it's okay to be stressed out in a situation that you're not usually in or you're not sure about. Um, it's fine to be nervous. It's it's okay to be kind of emotional about it as well. And if you feel like you're being too emotional, you know, if you can, if it's in paper, it's a bit different. But if you're playing online, you know, you, you have a pretty long clock. Take a second, just stand up away from the computer and then get back to it. Um, a lot of people think that you have to be like, they they watch all these pros and coverage or they play or they watch streams of people that do it all the time and they're very in control of themselves and like playing slowly and carefully whatever um not everyone's like that like i still get pretty like during the finals of the challenge i was i was feeling like oh shit oh shit don't mess this up like i, I had the idea <laughs> in my head but i was like i still like oh god i've still got to execute your plan clicking the mouse and whatever so um yeah like it's, it's easier said than done i know but do just take a second when you think you need it you know you go and get a drink like you, you it's your clock you can use it how you want to so yeah. and just and just know that uh, having these emotions hit you is not a bad thing yeah for, for me it's basically two things um the first thing that i've been telling people a while um it, it's also basically what you said right it's about playing a lot um yeah. when i like i care when i lose of course but it's not the end of the world really first of all i'm like not a pro like my livelihood doesn't depend on it uh even though like the money would probably be like would be really nice but you can always try again these tournaments are happening twice a week and you can try so, so many times. So only if you are like mentally committed to this is got to be the one, this got to be the one, then you're making pressure where there shouldn't really be pressure. Like if you somehow only have the time to play like one tournament a year or like very rarely, it sucks. But even then, if you can make the time, you can play these tournaments twice a week and you will get to those spots again because every time you play, you get better. I'm, I'm so convinced of like if you approach it like with an open mindset, every time you play, you become a better player. And the second thing that really helps me manage these things and people like especially in paper tell me that that it's like really weird when they play me in paper and i for many years i didn't even know that until like several people independently told me they're like when i sit down against you it feels like i, I already lost and like why and they're like yeah because you you just like come across as if you were gonna win and that's that's literally what i think that's that's like not a cocky thing of like oh i'm so much better i'm gonna win it's more a thing of i mean somebody's gotta win might as well be me right why wouldn't it be me you are going in trying to win right yeah Yeah. but also like it it feels like the most natural thing that i assume that i'm gonna win because i'm gonna try my best and then we will see and i mean somebody has to win and even if i'm up against lsv or red duke or something somebody has to win it at times it can be me right so it it just it it feels like the natural thing why would i ever Mm. not think that i'm gonna win and that takes away a lot of the 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 pressure and then if like if i'm mulligan to five that's just like okay sure i've then it's always people like i i haven't read a book like that but you always hear about these things where it's like picture yourself getting the job winning but probably like <laughs> yeah. not, not winning the lottery people don't like don't write self-improvement books about like winning the lottery that's probably like a weird thing but <laughs> you know the thing that's that you always hear is like people say 
picture yourself doing this imagine yourself doing that or or like when you you have to do something in sports uh picture yourself scoring the winning goal and stuff and i guess subconsciously that's what happens to me in every game i i always think about okay i might get to five they kept on seven so how do i win from here so usually that means i get a blowout on something like this and maybe they flood on lands here and may, and then like this this just like and then i play to watch that and if it doesn't work that way okay but sometimes it does and then i put myself in the best position to do that and i think that that kind of how do you call that it's self-confidence self-confidence yeah yeah <laughs> that's probably like the easiest way to put it <laughs> that, that kind of self-confidence of hey I, I i can always find a way to win and if i don't then whatever i can try again that's just mm-hmm. yeah i, I, I think, I think on, I, on the last episode i i just said well if it doesn't work you just go home and fuck your girlfriend when i was a little <laughs> bit more drunk i i, not, I only <laughs> yes. noticed that when i when i when i uh, edited the episode but that's kind of the attitude and i mean you can <laughs> substitute that for anything you like like for example sometimes when i when i like don't top at a challenge, which I guess it's not what you expect. But if I if I do really badly in a challenge and I, I drop like O2 early, then I end it and I'm like, oh sweet, now I have like five more hours of doing anything else. I yeah. can play like video they, they, games or go outside or do this. If you can focus on positives, I think it's really good. Like yeah. people always joke that the the best record after coming first is going O2, <laughs> um, which is this. Yeah. Yes, yeah, kind of some truth to it. It's better than a four three. But even back to I, I I think it just comes from being in a familiar situation over and over again. So as you play more and as you get to these situations, like the more you play, the better you'll start doing, hopefully. And the you the more you'll be in these positions of doing well or top eight, just like on the cusp of top eighting. I know I've got some friends that like have kind of choked a lot of their winning ins for a while and they get really down about it. But the more you do it, the more accustomed you become to that situation, the more confident hopefully you become at that point. And it's like a it's like a game where you save the game at each point every time you get there and so hopefully you can come back to it again and then you know, do it again yeah it's funny when you talk about your friends who, who um lost so many winnings I, I think i have the most legacy top eights on the mcam series mm-hmm. but i also have the most lost winnings for top eights on the uh, mcam series so it's like because you just play a lot it's the classic uh, eric thing people were saying oh you just play a lot that's why you have so much trade. <laughs> <laughs> i guess yeah yeah i guess you could put it like that too yeah. <laughs> cool uh should we go into the second question Sure. Yeah, so this one's from Good Brother saying, could we have a meddling mage primer versus the expected top decks in the meta that you played against? I know a lot of a lot of it's situational, but a general plan would be awesome. So actually, I didn't realize we should have probably uh, added this in earlier, but in the meantime, I've got MTG Goldfish open, so um, I'll run through. So the card is mostly is pretty much for combo. I don't think there's any fair matchups where I'd bring it in against. So I'll run through what MTG Goldfish is saying for combo. So I think I'd bring some number in against elves, and against elves, it very much depends on your hand. If your hand is not set up to beat like Korean, uh, why would somebody an elvish visionary? I would probably name Greenson Zenith, or if they have, um, or if they have like a big board, I'm, you might have to name Natural Order. Um, you could name Alasaur Shepherd as well if you're pretty weak to that. So that that one kind of depends. I think Greenson's probably going to. Abrupt You can name Abrupt Decay if you have like the board under control. Like if you have a plague engineer and you name abrupt decay, that's uh, that's really hard for elves to still win. Yeah, good point. So abrupt decay after plague engineer, if you have that as well, yeah, that's good, good, good idea. Um, Sneak and show again depends on your hand. Um, I would often name uh, a sneak attack because that's the one that's going to like cast mm. a sneak attack and put an emerald straight away and just obliterate your board or kill you on the spot. Against show and tell, they can still show and tell in the sneak attack. But then they need three cards, and if they just show and tell in a uh, an emerald, you have an out to like a, a teferi to bounce it or something. So it's situational. Maybe you name show and tell. Maybe you name sne- um, sneak attack. 
those are the common ones doomsday surprisingly you named doomsday or thassa's oracle um this is always going to be after sideboard so i'm always going to expect that they have some removal in the deck so if they've already cast doomsday i'd be naming the thassa's oracle or if you're playing a second medley mage i'd probably name abrupt decay or pyroblast if they have red but if they haven't cast doomsday yet i think i would just name doomsday because if you don't they can doomsday and just put the removal spell in the pile and kill kill the medley mage um i bring them in against hogak uh, it really depends there. Like if you're really, this is this is because I think the matchup's really bad and you have to spike with it. Um, so I'd probably name Alter if I didn't have Counter Magic. I've I played it against uh, Hogak in the quarterfinals and I named her Stitcher Supplier and Hedron Crab with them. So it, <laughs> it depends what you're scared of. At that point, they had no board presence, so those were the cards I was scared of to get like some good mills. Also, the cards that can really snowball. Exactly. Um, I mean, can, you can also name Hogak, right? And that also somewhat yes. stops the Altaco. Yes, yes. So if if they have like a board presence, but you've kind of got it under control, um, you can name either Hogak or Alter. Because there's source flashes in the deck, I was more scared of Alter in those kind of situations. Mm. I'd probably name it there, but yeah. Good point. It, it's, it's very realistic to name quite a lot of things in that deck. Um, it's not an easy one to answer. Uh, Reanimator, if you run into it. Um, if they haven't got a creature in the graveyard, I'd name Entomb. If they do probably name if Assume? probably name uh animate dead because you quite often will have a creature oh, yeah, in your graveyard yeah, yeah 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 so probably animate dead most but if they have loads of life and you don't have a clock you could name um reanimate because it's one less mana so they could like double spell um if you have a bunch of counter magic or surgicals you could name unmask uh if they have green you could name veil if they have it but i think that's pretty uncommon so i, I whale is already like uh yeah. If it's your only medley yeah. mage. Actually, no, you, you wouldn't do that. I think I think it's very common to either name Entomb or one of the reanimate spells or Unmask. Um, I think that against, against Ant, I would name Infernal Tutor basically every time first. I, I, I saw the guy do a recap of his stream yesterday and he played against medley mage twice. One of them was me where I named Infernal Tutor and then Tendrils of Agony because I was quite cold to that being naturally drawn. But I think it's a very good argument to name Infernal Tutor then Abrupt Decay. In, the, in that spot mm-hmm. i mean that that that's still the um what's the artifact again uh rich Lord talisman which makes think, it a little bit harder and plays like one or two of them against tez you might name that but against against tez i'd name burning wish probably uh, that's a good name yeah, yeah. so against tez you usually name burning wish because that's both their win con and their answer to a hate bear so it's quite a clean one wish talisman is a good second name against them um because uh, against Ant earlier in the challenge, the guy played against a, a Bant kind of deck that played two medley mages. Both of them named Tendrils, and he just like he killed them easily. <laughs> I think I think he just like Infernal Tutor, oh. Infernal Tutor for an abrupt decay, abrupt decayed one, passed Infernal Tutor for past and flames, past and flames, abrupt oh, decay the second one, and then killed him. Like, I did that. Yeah. I did that 11 years ago. I'll never forget. That was so <laughs> embarrassing. I ran yeah. out meddling mage and I, I played Esper Blades back then uh, against a aunt. And I ran out my meddling mage and I'm so happy. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> got named Tendrils of Agony. And everybody around me was like, ooh. Oh, I'm dear. like, oh, I get, yeah. get him, I get him. And then like, okay, draw my deck, kill your meddling mage. Whatever, <laughs> exactly. GG. <laughs> they, they really don't care about that very much. So Infernal Tutor is really good to turn off, basically. Um, Omnitel, you name Show and Tell like 99% of the time. Uh, if you have a hand that's set up to beat or if they have a besage you you still name it but like there's a little a few situations where you could name either veil or cunning wish as well but mm-hmm. mostly show and tell yeah in this matchup i could see naming whale if, if, if your hand works out that way right yeah, but usually yeah. you would just go for go ahead and you name the the show and tell yeah and i think that's that's most of the combo decks um maybe i missed a couple but that that's that, that's the big ones so we can go from there 
Uh, Multiman is asking, will Doomsday be the boogeyman of the format post-bans? Which version will be the dominant build and how should we be fighting it? How long can it fly under the radar until it starts to go on WotC's watch list? So I think we already talked about the two different versions, the four um, personal tutor versions mm-hmm. and the all-in, not, not all-in, but much more dedicated to Uro versions. Uh, I think it's... I think the personal I, tutor I, I, version is, is obviously doing better straight away and it feels a bit better. If the format like goes it's it depends on the format rather than the the players i think if the format like makes them need to play something like uro and become more grindy then they have that option to go to but uh i think the the personal tutor version is probably a bit better yeah yeah uh is it going to be the boogeyman of the format i think it's way too early to tell whether it's going to be the boogeyman of the format or whether it's actually going to go onto like what's his watch list i think that's even later if it was ever going to happen um it's there's nobody really in the format at all complaining about it right now and i think it's just like way too early i if i had to guess and if you told me like half a year from now there's something we might complain about i could see thassa's oracle being among those cards yeah but right now i think it's way too early yeah, I, I hate the kind of like the thing where people ask your opinion on something. Not that this is happening here with this question, but someone like asks your opinion on something, and I would say there's no way you would think about banning something from Doomsday currently. But then in six months' time or twelve months' time, we are in a situation where actually it is too good, and they're like, ah, yeah, well, you didn't say that, so I like, kind of told you so. Um, this like <laughs> it, it's a similar thing with Oko. I, I I kind of defended Oko for a good half a year because. I think it is important to see how if they are actually too good and it was eventually and maybe we see that here but I think currently it's definitely not on the watch list as well. It's really 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 strong. It's it's very hard to hate out as well which is what frustrates a lot of people. Like the the general things like it's pretty good against Chalice and um Trinosphere and all these kind of things. Like uh, Mime Rate Trap doesn't really get it. It's very strong against Force Will because of Cavern. Like it's really strong against a lot of normal hate and it can fight through so much things. But I think it's going to make people think outside the box. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of narrow answers to it. People are saying uh, Angel's Grace. Um, the, oh man. The the um, not not Mime Rate Trap, but the other trap, the one that mills, is really funny against it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, archive yeah trap. I know what you, archive trap yeah, yeah because because doomsday searches their library so as soon as they finish <laughs> as soon as they finish casting the doomsday you just mill their five cards and that's it oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah so that's pretty I, funny I mean, i've been playing two copies i've been playing two copies of avon mind sensor and maverick lately yeah. and those have been working out really well yeah and like, lots look, of tutoring going on to go to go back to my the esper deck uh like my my sideboard is super hateful against combo i have four medley mages and this is this is out of respect for doomsday and Omnitel because i think these decks are very strong so yeah, Medley Mage is really good. Um, you can do other things. Uh, so we'll see. I think Medley Mage is probably going to be played quite a lot in this format coming up, is my prediction. Sweet. Uh, next one, we have another one from Franco. Getting a couple in there. Nice. How many humans versus non-humans does your gut tell you is needed to make the card tick? Uh, talking about of one mind. And creatures CMC and rolls, etc. And last question from me, I promise. What is your stance on the Tuscany versus non-Tuscany rivalry that you have now ignited <laughs> in the Italian legacy community? Love oh, it. Man. So, of one mind, Did we? I, know, I, I like that you've said, what does your gut tell you? Because my answer is, I don't, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like you want to have Strix and Snapcaster is a really big core of the deck because those two are like kind of bodies that just stick around off. They've got their value. So it's very common to get those two into play together. And then you can have a token maker be a mentor or young pyromancer i don't really know i haven't really explored or even thought about options outside of this too much so that's my go-to i think you want at least three of the token maker because it's the more common way of doing it and then you want like two or three snapcasters and probably three or four strix 
is a pretty good core. Um, mm -hmm. The only other other way I've been thinking of doing this is I want to build an Urza deck with it because you play Urza, Urza is a human, it makes a, <laughs> it makes a construct, and the construct yeah. taps for a blue as well, so you can cast off one mind straight away. So that's my uh, my next fun thing. I want to build it probably with Stoneforge Mystic with uh, Thopter Foundry and. Sword and you can Mystic. also play it in Chalice because off one mind is still three mana. Mm -hmm, oh man, true. that's so cute. So yeah, that's my next thing, like Urza Blade with off one mind. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, generally th those numbers I just said. And the question about Tuscany, just to make everyone else aware, this is because we were, we were hanging out with the uh, True Hero guy and stuff when they were streaming. And those guys don't like people from the Tuscany area, or there's some really fun rivalry. And so I was getting uh, translations from Franco about what to say to them. And I think at the end I was saying like, Viva Tuscany, Viva Pisa, because they, they have a fun rivalry there. So, Forza, Forza Tuscany. Forza Tuscany, Forza uh, Pisa. So um, yeah, yeah. my stance is I'm going to say whatever annoys people. <laughs> That's how you have to do it. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you win those challenges. You put so, people on tilt. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I tell people to play bad cards and three force of wills and put people on tilt. So, I just want to say that Tuscany is one of the most amazing regions in the entire world I have ever visited. I I, I love Florence. I don't know, man. That's that city. That city made me stop playing World of Warcraft. That's all I'm gonna say. Wow. Okay. Fine. I've never been there actually, so I need to. Oh, dude, we really should go. Like, Let's honestly, like once COVID gets better and everything and you, you can, you're going to be allowed to leave your island and stuff, mm -hmm. like we should really go to, they're going to have those tournaments in Pisa. Yep. They, what's it called? The Four Nebraska's Seasons. Nebraska's War. Oh, yeah, that one's all. Four yeah. Seasons stuff. Yeah, everything. Like Italy is all the tournaments. We're, we're going, we're going to, to go there. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Every day channel goes Italy. Mm -hmm. Agree. And then we're going to do an entire episode like just speaking Italian. But we, I guess we got to do it like it's a video podcast then. Yeah, we, sh we should. <laughs> I, I just got to say, I absolutely love all the Italian guys. Like there's so many of them. They have a huge Discord community. Like, a bunch of them are streaming. They're always chatting with each other. Um, they're, they're so emotional about the game, but in a good way. They're not like super salty or whatever. Um, they, they just have that raw emotion. And so I love it. So, yeah. Yeah, we should all be a little bit like Andrea Mangucci. Definitely. Oh, yeah, we could <laughs> we all be. We talked about that earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that you, you said, like, you, you love the Italian scene. There's so many of them. It's like, yeah, yeah. probably like, I don't know. My guess would be like 60 million. I don't know. I like, I like, I like all of them. <laughs> Every single one. Leave awesome, awesome. So what, what's our last question, actually? Our last question comes from Disco Drogo. Top five potentially good cards that just couldn't get proper testing in the precious meta. Thinking Skycliff Operation cards. Hmm, good question. Nothing, nothing like jumps uh, to mind. It's, it's not really specific to the meta for me right now. It's just like I've always kind of thought that maybe... But it's, it's, it's so stupid, but I, I kind <laughs> of want Defense of the Heart to be a thing in Legacy. Actually, oh, I don't yeah. want it to be a thing because <laughs> it would be really bad. But Did I you, don't know that... <laughs> you know, I played a league with it like a year ago. Did you see how I used it? Um, I'll, 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 I'll make, to, I'll make you, you stream search this. your library for creatures? Yes, yes. Do you know what creatures you should get? Uh, well, in the past, you got Mephidros, Vampire, and Triskelion. Okay. So now we have the brand new age. I would get Leveler and Thassa's Oracle. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get two triggered abilities, and you literally, like, you only you use have to, at that point. Well, well, you see how you have to stack it right. Because if you stack it wrong, you lose. Yeah, if yeah. you stack it right, you win. <laughs> but yeah. I went three yeah, to an elite. Yeah, that's a little bit better than Mephidros Vampire and, and uh, just a little <laughs> bit, just a little bit. So yeah, I went three to an elite. I'll make you stream it. You'll love it. How, how did you give your opponent creatures? Did, did you uh, do like the old thing with yeah. uh, Orchard? Yeah, Orchard. Yep. Yeah. Ah, 
Yeah, it's very you fun. You play the hunted creatures, you know? The hunted creatures also give your opponents creatures. True. Actually, this deck had Uro and Oko and Valen and all this stuff. So. Oh, no, that makes <laughs> a lot more sense. Actually, well, we, we, we just lose Oko. Anyway, we'll rebuild it for the thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just realized for this question of one mind, probably, <laughs> like what the whole podcast is about, that's that's one of the potentially good cards that couldn't get proper testing because Mentor and Young Pyromancer weren't great previously. Anything else spring to mind? It's a very good question. I think I think I'm gonna have to say I'm not sure, and uh, if I think of something, say it in the Discord. Yeah, we're gonna say it in the Discord if you can think of something. Uh, maybe also bring it, gonna bring it up in the next podcast if you can. Maybe like, the maybe the whale something. Ethereal Forager. Yeah, the whale is already like almost established at, uh, at this point in the format. Yeah, right? yeah, kind maybe of. Maybe that's crazy to say, but yeah. Yeah. To me, it's yeah. Aven Mindsense. I feel like I'm the only person playing Aven Mindsense on the last one one year or two. It, it was insane for me at the GP at at Bologna, like mm-hmm. under one and a half years ago or something. It, it it keeps doing well in Maverick for me because there's so many search effects um, going on right now. And uh, but I can't even say I didn't get enough uh, time testing it because I've been playing it for something like eleven years now, <laughs> on yeah. and off. And I think every mindset is really good. It, cool. it, it's a flash threat that carries equipment pretty well, and it also disrupts most, or not most, but a lot of combo decks. I, I really like it. it. It's and on top of that, it's also really good. And and you know the mid range mirror with stone forges and yeah, sure. against Death Texas, they also have um, recruit of the guard and that kind of stuff. It hoses night. It occasionally hoses fetchlands uh, it gets doomsday really hard it's it, it does a lot of things yeah nice i like it natural order i guess as well and green sun oh yeah that's yeah. a big one and then yeah. they still hit and you're like oh come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> true but yeah that happens so mm-hmm. i think we're, we're gonna call it a day here we're yeah. approaching somewhat like two hours uh you're gonna play your your rock and, and scissors game with your friends no uh what's the time now half nine maybe we'll see gonna eat something and then yeah i'll see if this is online actually yeah i'll i'll tell you i'll, awesome. sh- I'll send you the game i'll tell you how good it is i think you'll love it oh yeah yeah, yeah. We, we we should play it we shall play it eventually we mm-hmm. only got a couple of among us games in but we maybe we can play the rock game yeah <laughs> yeah totally. it's just a stupid name. it is it is a co-op game <laughs> you know what my favorite thing is um when mega main mega man came out they're like okay what are we gonna name this like in the <laughs> japanese <laughs> it's- original it's called rock man Oh, Which sweet. I guess there's some flavor, but then they take it to the US and they're like, no, 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 we're gonna name it Mega Man. <laughs> yes, I was gonna say Rock Rockman's way better. Yeah, it's just like the spirit of the '80s, Mega Man. <laughs> yeah. Next magic crossover. That would actually be oh, sweet. God. You can you can see the opponents like actually like if you kill a creature, then you get all of its activated abilities or something that what? probably already exists. Uh. I mean, Quicksilver Metal can kind of do that for okay, blue. Yeah, clone it. Oh, there's Evil Twin. Evil Twin, there you go. It's a clone that then has an ability to tap it and pay two mana to kill something with the same name. Yeah, but that's not exactly how Mega Man works. Fine. <laughs> you got to kill the thing first. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're going to okay. make a Mega Man podcast. Okay. I can see, I can see. <laughs> okay, cool. cool. We're going to call it a day here. If you want to support Everyday Channel, uh, the thing that helps us the most, actually the thing that really helps us the most is if you spread the word. That's I keep saying it, but it's the biggest thing. If you tell your friends, we I, we keep getting so many new followers on our Twitter account, at EternalMTG. That, that's just like the coolest thing ever. If you come to a Discord hangout, um, maybe even post your sweet food to our Everyday Eternal channel that we would be really down for that and if you want to come to the discord you can do that by becoming a patreon patreon.com slash everyday channel or if you want to do something else you can also head to apple podcasts which is not called itunes anymore and probably hasn't been in 10 years and leave a review uh your review is going to be specific to your country so you could be the first person to leave a review from you know 
Wherever. And yeah, we, we really appreciate that. And your review is also going to be on our new website. And yeah, I think that's that's going to be it from us today. We really want to thank um, all the people that make this work. But especially our highest tier Patreons on the Eternal Witness tier. Tommy Hinks, Trent Browers, Testacular, Sebastian Holaga, and Severin Schwarzhuber. And our Grizzlebrand tier supporters, Victor Bernhardt, Pachubat, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henrik Korkutz, and t- the amazing Tom Hepp, who's still on his legacy vacation, but he shall be back soon, right? I hope he's back, because he, he always just like comes in to take my money, so... You know, if I, <laughs> with me winning the challenge, that might be enough. Uh, he might smell blood and he'll come and crush me again. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, that's going to be it from us for today. And, yeah, see you again in March when everything is going to be of one mind. Mm-hmm. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.